0: Hello and welcome to episode 48 of the British Wrestling Experience on postwrestling.com and I'm your host Martin Bushby and joining me as always is Jamesy but sadly no Benno this week he's uh, off enjoying the Christmas markets of Berlin and probably um, enjoying a few Erdingers while he's at it but not to fear because stepping in from the grapple spotlight is uh, JP Hoolihan. JP thanks for joining me and Jamesy this week
1: Oh, absolute pleasure! Always fun to be on. I know Benno's probably been enjoying himself a bit more than uh than, than we have, but um, given all the podcasting he does, he can he can have a week. He can he can have a he can have a show off, can't he?
0: Yeah, true <laughs> that. I mean, um, obviously, with you two guys on, shall we get the Irish sports uh, stuff out of the way now?
1: <laughs> well.
2: What it's, about
1: those it, under twenty ones, JP? Well, exactly. If it wasn't for those under twenty ones, um, it'd be a very bleak place. Well, that Denmark <laughs> that Denmark game wasn't as bad. I've sat through a lot worse than that. But um, but yeah, Martin, if you want to get in on something on the ground floor, it's those Ireland under twenty ones. That's what I I, I would say as well. And but Ballygunner lost in the hurling mine. I know that oh, means absolutely yeah. nothing. To, yeah, that's <laughs> the weekend. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'll take your word for it. Um. <laughs> I was a cracking game, Martin. Catch up yeah. on it if you can. <laughs> even Jamesy's biting for that
1: one. Bloody hell! <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, Ballygunner, I, I thought I thought Ballygunner were going to go all the way this year. Actually,
1: so did. Yep, so did I. Lost to a team from Tipper, from Tip, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. In, I, 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 in I, Ireland, was... Jamesy, is this stuff
0: on like a uh, sort of like primetime TV or what?
2: If you, you see there how do i describe this so so the way hurling or, or operates is there's a county scene which would be that would be the kind of i suppose like your premier league so it would be it would be literally the geographic counties of Ireland all playing against each other um and that's that that goes on kind of in the summer when the weather is nice and then in the but but every within the county then you would have several clubs and by like every player would be kind of affiliated with their local club. And it would very much usually be like literally the small town they're from would be their club. And kind of w- w- when the big stuff is happening in the summer, that all stops. And then for the rest of the year, then you kind of have club championships and that kind of thing. So it's, yeah, it's, um yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. To, it's hard to kind of pick an analogy for it. Like, you know what I mean? Because it's, it's the main thing about it would be, it's like, it's amateur sport and it literally is, you know, it, it sounds kind of, cliched almost like in this day and age but like it is literally done by like like people play literally for the love of the sport and for the pride of the place they're from you know what i mean and that's kind of what sets it apart from pretty much any other sport in the world at this stage you know
0: yeah, definitely. I mean, there's, um, it's certainly very unique in, in that sort of standpoint. It sort of, it sort of reminds me a bit of like um, Aussie rules football. That's um, something mm. that's never sort of yeah. taken off outside of Australia, but they get these huge crowds in for, uh, you know, when you see it on TV and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, it's they, certainly something very unique to, to Ireland, isn't it?
1: They, they, they try to have combined rules. And it, to be honest, for me, I don't know about you, James, it doesn't really work... It's, it still feels like no. it's guys from two separate sports. But weirdly enough, there's enough, pe- there's enough players from Ireland now who go to play Aussie rules from having played Gaelic when they're young and actually try and adapt and learn and go to Australia so they can actually play sport at a, um, as a professional. So there's, there's that kind of involvement in there as well. Yeah, and I think that
2: that's that's those combined matches, I think the Irish kind of soured on those matches because it, I think the Aussies were kind of using them almost mm-hmm. as scouting missions to kind of pick out the best Irish players they could and then take them away kind of a thing, you know what I mean? So it kind of became a thing where, like, I remember those combined rules matches were quite a big deal, maybe about 10 years ago. And the great thing about them was you'd always get a bit of fisticuffs in them as well. Like, you know, it, it, it nearly was part of the game that you'd get a bit of boxing at some point. You know what I mean? And you, you were nearly
1: going to see the boxing rather than the sport. Oh, I remember they were vicious, violent. Effect. Martin, as a rugby league fan, you'd have absolutely loved it. It was proper, <laughs> proper, proper biff.
0: So it sounds like some parallels to uh, wrestling here. The Aussies coming in like Vince McMahon and trying to sign <laughs> up all the uh, all the big boys. Because they uh, I feel like uh, I'm, um, I've got Benno sort of like banging his head against the wall listening to us re-talking about uh, Irish sports, so I guess we'd better move on to uh, on, on, some, on some wrestling. I mean, um, it's sort of jumping off on a different track for us this week. We don't usually tend to get into NXT or main roster WWE, but obviously there was loads of Euro involvement this past weekend, and so it definitely fits into uh, the stuff we sort of talk about. Some... Some good stuff, I thought, and some truly baffling stuff. I mean, we'll talk about NXT TakeOver first. Um, obviously, this was on Saturday with the Women's War Game match featuring Kaylee Ray, uh, the former Nixon Newell Teagan Knox, and then uh, former NXT UK Women's Champion Ray Ripley. I've uh, got to say, I really enjoyed this match. Lots has been said about Ripley and how great she looked already. But um, for me, I, I thought Kaylee Ray was also really good. She... Easily has been one of the best sort of European women's wrestlers for ages now, but uh, I enjoyed seeing her in this match. Uh, took, uh, I mean, she took a lot of big bumps into the cage and, and a massive sort of dustbin shot to the face. Uh, and also, Tegan not involved in the match, but it was a part of a good angle with Dakota Kai turning on Team Ripley. So, uh, James, yeah, I thought it was a good start to the pay-per-view this weekend and so a good showing from uh, Kaylee Ray in this match.
2: Absolutely, yeah, and a really good match. I thought overall, like I think they they definitely outshone the men uh, from the point of view. If you were to compare the two war games matches, I would say by far the better of the two, you know. And um, yeah, I, I thought. It, you know, Katie Ray has always excelled, kind of, in that kind of hardcore match environment. If you if you go back to her ICW days, like she was never afraid to go through tables or do do street fights or any kind of matches like that. So it, it really suited her down to the ground to be in this match. Um, I, I did think it was interesting that um, she didn't seem to be as over as the other women in the match. Like I felt like it was kind of seven superstars who the crowd knew really well, who they were used to seeing them on NXT TV every Wednesday night. And then when Kaylee Ray came out and it was her time to go into the cage, it it was pretty quiet in the crowd. Like they they, they clearly aren't people that are tuning into NXT UK every week on the network. Um, Yeah, like you you summed it up very well, Martin, like that that poison ran and she took off the top rope, like just an insane bump. Uh, The trash can spot, there was another suplex into the cage that looked really brutal, you know. So yeah, like I'm very happy for her. Like she is, I, I find she has always been very underrated. Um, I find like she never really got the credit that she deserved maybe for how good she was when she was on the Indies. And it's, it's good to see like, like, you know, I, I say that the crowd was quiet for her at the start. I feel like it kind of was a bit of a star making performance for her in America. Like, and certainly people know if they didn't know who she was before the match, they certainly knew who she was after.
0: Yeah, and also I suppose JP Kayla Ray's not really sort of like been around NXT UK that long, and she's certainly not been showcased on NXT TV like Pete Dunne and Walter have, so you can see why the crowd didn't really know her in this match.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and I think in that sense, what she did is she looked like she belonged. There was no point where you kind of she looked because I would have say. Someone like Mia Yim, for example, is not someone I've necessarily been impressed with when I've seen her. But someone like Kaylee Ray, who's who's going in there without any kind of build up really on the TV, other than she's the um, NXT UK Women's Champion. Um, but at the same time, I think yeah, she she did really well in what was. I'm trying to think. Actually, probably would have been my my match tonight for it. Um, really? And the idea of doing two war games on the same show is something that never really should be repeated because it took away so much from the final one. Yeah. Um, and as someone who isn't a regular watcher of NXT, you, uh, NXT TV, I enjoy, really enjoyed the heel turn. There was enough kind of, um, that dramatic period with it. I mean, it wasn't perfect necessarily. They were kind of, you had the faces kind of staring off, um, as the attack was going on, but it, they played into it so well. um, and I thought, yeah, I, I, so I really. And, and I had an issue about the actual finish of the match. It wouldn't be necessarily the way I would have gone, um, given the numbers advantage. But yeah, overall, really enjoy, enjoyable match. Kayleigh Ray looks good. Hopefully, it might transition into a few more spots for her to be on, uh, on proper NXT. Yeah, I,
0: th- I did think. Um, I did enjoy the angle uh, with Dakota Kai, but uh, Regal coming out there, like, he's. It, like their dad, it's uh, oh, Dakota, come on now, calm down, I just always find it <laughs> hilarious when it's involved in segments like that, it's just like, come on, <laughs> he, he, you either think his acting would be better by now, but yeah, I always uh, get a laugh out of Regal coming out and being sort of like the dad of NXT, it always, uh, always cracks me up that, I mean, um, I mentioned him then, but uh, Pete Dunne, he had two matches over the weekend, the uh, first at TakeOver in a freeway against Killian Dane and Damian Priest, and then... The next night at Survivor Series against Adam Cole for the NXT title. I uh, thought the first match was okay, not the best, and sort of par for the course uh, for mm. Pete Dunne in 2019. Decent showing, but nothing spectacular. And like you, JP, I don't really watch NXT on the regular, but interesting for me to see Killian Dain here uh, uh, completely forgotten about him. He obviously used to be Red Pro's go-to guy for the big Hoss matches against Ishii and you like, back when he was Big Demo. Um, yeah, and... Not really much to write home about this three-way. I didn't think Jamesy.
2: No, no, and like it, it really stood out like a sore thumb after the kind of the high of the match before. And as, as JP said, like they were trying to follow what basically was the match of the night. And it was just as a, like, again, like you guys, I, I'm not a regular viewer of, of NXT TV. So I'm not particularly invested in Damien Priest. I'm not particularly invested in Killian Dain. Um, it, it was just too long, wasn't it? It was, you know, to me, a mm-hmm. triple threat match should be all action, nice 10 minutes you know do all your big spots like I don't like triple threats as a rule and if you're going to have one I think they should be quick they should be kind of fast paced they should be lots of high spots uh, and get in and get out in 10 minutes and let that be done and this thing just dragged on and on and on Um, I I don't think the three guys are particularly conducive to a three-way match you know they're they're not the most athletic really you know what I mean they're not the type of guys who who are going to be able to do the kind of high spots you'd want in a three-way environment and that kind of thing so yeah it just just felt like a, a, a very much a kind of a, a come down after the match before and a completely forgettable match
0: I thought the match against Cole was much better, I really enjoyed it, probably oh, my yeah. second favourite mm. of Survivor Series, some good limb work from the two and probably one of Dunn's best matches of the year for me, I don't know what that says really, because obviously he's not at the beds 2019 uh, but Dunn had a decent reputation from the crowd here, uh, JP, he's only second main roster pay per view after the Royal Rumble earlier this year
1: Yeah, and I was um, really pleasantly surprised by this because it's been a while since I've seen Pete Dunne have that sort of match that he, he, you know, some of those great matches that he had when he was on the Indies. But this was like a really pleasant surprise. Um, It's somewhat of an issue having Adam Cole going into a match like this considering the bump he took in the main event. But, I mean, logic notwithstanding, it it didn't fall into sort of what can be the Pete Dunne tropes. I thought, and and you mentioned there about the, about the limb work as well. There was um, really great, like sort of dramatic sequence in the last five minutes, and I think like you, I sort of it might have been second, certainly third best match of what I thought was the main uh, Survivor Series card. Um, for Pete Dunne, really, it seems like this is NXT proper for him at this stage, isn't it? He's there. He's going to be like a. It should be a big part of the TV program as well.
0: He just seems to be that guy who can just appear on everything. Can he just flip mm. between brand and brand and brand? I don't know, uh Jamesy, what did you think of this match? And do you think uh Dunn will be more and more in NXT proper next year?
2: Oh, I think so. I I I don't really see him as the NXT UK guy anymore. I, I don't think he's on that show an awful lot anymore. And I think mm. it's 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 time he went to America at this stage, you know what I mean? And um in terms of the match, like like you said, Martin, like I I've been very Disappointed by peace in the last not even, last year, year and a half, I feel like. Where, where a lot of wrestlers go to WWE and, and I, I do think being in that system improves a lot of people like you know you talk about someone like a Jordan Devlin there's no doubt that since Jordan went to WWE and got a full time contract he has definitely improved as a wrestler you can see it in, in the way he carries himself you can see it in his physique it has benefited him in terms of the quality of wrestling that he's doing um, I had I had hoped that if, if Pete Dunne was going to go there that that would be the same but but if anything I, I find he's, he's regret rest an awful lot I find he's become he's become a very self-indulgent wrestler I mm-hmm. find that even though he works as a baby face he seems to swarm all over his opponents way too much you know what I mean and I think that's fine if you're a heel if you're if you're a heel Brian Danielson you should be carrying maybe 80% of the match and you should be kind of the one working on top and the baby face should be working underneath but if you're a baby face you shouldn't be swarming all over your opponent like it's very hard for people to look good resting against Pete Dunne because he kind of hogs the limelight almost in the way he works. Mm. Um and I do find that this, this this was a much more restrained performance and I think it probably was because he was in the ring with somebody Who's at a kind of a higher level in the WWE food chain and who kind of has the kind of the status in the company to kind of dictate to him that, you know, we're not, I'm not going to have you swarm all over me in this match. Like we're going to kind of make this a more 50 50 match and that kind of thing. And, and the end result of it was that it, it is one of the better matches I've seen from him in a long, long time. You know, like uh, I, I thought they, they did play into the injuries very well. Um, I, I, I liked the fact that they, they kind of they, they, there were some kickouts, and I don't like big kickout stretches in matches where it goes too far. I feel like they just judged it perfectly here, where the kickouts were kind of appropriate without being excessive and that kind of thing. Really liked the finish, the way he reversed the bitter end into the destroyer. I thought that was a really, really unique finish and kind of it, it worked really well. Um, the only thing that annoyed me a little bit, like I'm a bit of a stickler for for limb work and selling, and I, I, for some reason, Pete was was working the wrong hand at times during the match. Like, oh no, uh, <laughs> I could call (laughs) had the big massive massive bandage on his right arm and they were playing it up on commentary saying like oh Pete's going after the the, the damaged arm and then he's putting the left arm on the mat and stomping on it and he's putting the left arm in an arm bar and he's at the crucial point in the match like when they're at the finish he he kind of snaps the fingers of the wrong hand and just like I'm probably one of the few people who that would really annoy in a match like but that that just kind of takes me out of a match a little bit when something like that happens but yeah like much better from Pete and a, a big improvement on what I've seen from him in the last while.
0: JP, what do you think uh, Pete Dunne's ceiling is in WWE? Do you think it's NXT and then that sort of it? I can't really see him excelling on them as a main roster wrestler.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, I don't think he will succeed anywhere outside of where Triple H isn't going to be the sort of guiding influence mm-hmm. because that's the person who's hottest on him. So in a sense, he kind of needs to hitch his wag entirely for where Triple H is. And main roster where he's outside of it, at that point in the land of the Giants, you could easily see him being overshadowed. So NXT is really the perfect kind of place for him. Um, What his ceiling is beyond that, it's difficult to tell because it's whether or not there is some kind of shake-up with main roster talent and how they present stuff, but that's a much bigger issue that I don't think that'll happen. But until there's some sort of fundamental changes around that, I, I would see that his ceiling pretty much is NXT, and you know it'll be on the it'll be on network TV, so it, it'll certainly be good for him. Um, well, certainly financially, but I, I don't know. I it's difficult. I just find it difficult to say. I don't know what you two think about that. What do you think his ceiling is?
0: I think yeah, I think I think you're right, and especially with NXT going now as more of less. Of the sort of like developmental league, now more of its own brand, it, you are going to see more and more guys just sticking around in NXT, especially you know with it being on a uh, network TV and everything. So I think it is it's easy to expect guys are going to come into NXT and just stay there rather than you know being drafted onto Raw and SmackDown and just becoming another guy after a couple of weeks. I think that's uh, that's fair to expect coming in 2020. I think Jamesy.
2: Yeah, I, th- I I think what will ultimately decide his fate is is his charisma. Like, and I think mm-hmm. he, he has charisma on a certain level, but I I think what's going to kill him is when he talks. I just don't think he's a good talker. Like, I, I remember seeing him on. Um, It was the pre-show to some WWE show about six months ago. You know that pre-show where where they're kind of sitting in the studio and, and they bring a wrestler in and there's like there's Jerry Lawler there or there's Booker T or a few of those. And I remember Pete Dunne was one of the guys on that at one point and he was talking. And I remember just thinking, God, when you see him on a TV screen and when you see him in that environment, he just doesn't have it as a talker, you know, um, there's just something missing from that point of view, you know what I mean? And even his look, when you see him on the big stage, like he doesn't particularly have a superstar look, you know, and, and I mean, fair enough, 2020, 2019, 2020 WWE, your look would probably never be less of an issue than it will at the moment. You know, like there are a lot of smaller guys on the roster. There are a lot of guys that never would have made it 10 or 20 years ago, you know what I mean? But, I just don't know. I just look at him and I feel like he he might get a niche on the main roster as a work rate guy, as a guy who can have a good match on TV and that kind of thing. But I, 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 there there was a time when I would have confidently predicted him going very, very far in wrestling. You know, like around that time when him and Tyler Bates were having those amazing matches way, way back when this NXT UK thing started originally, when, when they were having those incredible matches and we were making all kinds of predictions about him, you know, being a champion in WWE and all that. I think, you know, if he does make it to the main roster, it's it's maybe, as, as a work-rate guy, maybe like something like a US title run or something like that. But I just feel that, that you have to be able to talk to make it as a star on TV. And if you can't do that in a kind of a believable way and in a convincing way, you're going to struggle.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, that's something that's always let him and certainly Tyler Bate down. But I Tyler mean, as uh, well, exactly, yeah. We, hmm. we seem to be going a bit off script here. We're talking about WWE in a positive light. I mean... <laughs> I think most of the good going to be flushed away once we got to the Raw v Smackdown v NXT elimination match. Uh, mm-hmm. Walter was obviously on team NXT, came out, got a good reaction from the crowd, all chanting his name, tagged in for the first few moments of the match, looked to be standing toe-to-toe with the likes of Braun Strowman and Drew Galloway, only to be dealt a, a claymore kick and, a, and an early shower. Um I mean, irrelevant if you've been following Walter's career for years or you've just seen him this weekend. This took the air out of the match, didn't it? And it took them a bit to get the crowd back into it. Walter, the monster, you know, the the final level boss, the guy who's been conquering Europe for the past few years. James, the, uh, I mean, should we have expected anything else from his uh, big WWE main roster debut here?
2: Look, the, the thing about this is that there's a lot of people who are angry about this and annoyed about this. And I'm not angry or annoyed about it. And I'm not surprised about it. And I'm actually quite glad because, um, it's a reality check for every single person who signed up to an NXT contract and who's, who's, who's on Twitter talking about their dream of being a WWE wrestler and talking about their dream of making it to the main roster and this kind of thing. Like if you're Joseph Connors or Dave Mastiff sitting at home watching that. With an aspiration of, of, of going further in the company and that kind of thing, like you you have the ace of the NXT UK, the unbeatable Walter, the guy who's ran roughshod over the entire thing. You know, he's in, undisputedly the top guy of that of that product at the moment, and he's he's jobbed out in what three minutes, um, on his first major appearance in a pay per view. You know what I mean? That's what Vince McMahon thinks of that brand. It's not, you know, and it's, you know, you compare, compare even in that, in that same match, compare how Walter was treated and compare how Keith Lee was treated. And on the face of it, I would say Walter, if you were, who's the better wrestler out of Keith Lee and Walter? I would say that, that Walter is by far the better wrestler of the two of those in terms of pure talent and in terms of having great matches over the last three or four years. I would have Walter well above Keith Lee, but Keith Lee made it to WWE through what I would call the normal route. You know, he excelled on the indies. He was a star on the indies and he was brought up to NXT. And that's the normal way of becoming a star in WWE. The other route is the NXT route. And that is not a gateway to becoming a star in WWE. And, and that, that, the, the way those two guys were treated confirms to me that NXT UK is not a gateway to becoming a worldwide WWE star. In fact, if you're a top talent in Europe, it's now a barrier to you becoming a star in the States because there are people on that NXT UK roster, like Walter, like Jordan Devlin, like Tyler Bates, who are good enough to have made it to the States on their own without this NXT UK ever having been a thing. But because this thing is here now and because they have this need to control the European scene, they're slumming it on this on this 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 product that's just a holding pen for wrestlers in Europe, basically, and a kind of a way of preventing them from going anywhere else. Like you think about someone like Alistair Black, who's an established—he's a regular, established talent on SmackDown now. At this stage, if NXT UK had come along a year earlier when he was being signed, he wouldn't be on TV now. You know, so if anything, it's just a wake up call for anybody who's kind of glorifying getting an NXT UK contract. This thing is not what you think it is. It is not going to make you a star in WWE because the biggest star of all, Walter, was treated like a jobber in a match that contained people like Damien Priest and Shorty Gable, and he was still the first guy that was jobbed out. You know what I mean? So that, like, it's to me, I was glad to see it in a way because it, it's just, it might be a kind of a wake up call for a lot of people on that NXT UK roster. Like, like if that's how they treat Walter, what did they, if that's what they think of him, or well, what do they think of the jobbers? You know what I mean? And what hope have they ever got of making it?
1: JP. It's very hard to, to disagree with any of that. Um, when I saw it happen within the three minutes, it was the sense of, cause this whole match seems to be almost set up at times of how are they going to troll the audience? And this was one of the ways they did it later on with the the sort of Matt Riddle getting pinned by Baron Corbin stuff as well. Yeah. It, it's they, they enjoy doing this. This is kind of in their DNA as well to do this. And I think, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of, of real truth to that about this is Walter who. In that match, I think you know, looking at thinking about how Vince would think about when he sees him, it's like, well, he's probably not—he's not as tall as Damian Priest or as muscly, and Keith Lee's kind of broader and much sort of physically bigger, and does much more orthodox. Well, does much more athletic stuff, so. Yeah, you could see that, you know, he just would have viewed Walter as being expendable without thinking of anything about his mystique. It kind of showed to me when it came to the booking of this match who Walter was and his reputation, and anything else, none of that kind of matters a jot. It doesn't matter a jot. It doesn't even go into the equation. This is this is how they're going to book him, and they think, oh, what we're doing is we're getting some heel heat then on uh, on uh, team, team Raw, or whatever it was. <laughs> So, yeah. um, Yeah. Terrible. Terrible booking. I was completely unsurprised. I was probably more wound up than you, though, (laughs) James. It actually I, I, I didn't watch live and somebody
2: had 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 added me. I think it was maybe Robert had just added me and Benno in a tweet and just said, Walter, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. And I woke up to this on my phone. And I was thinking, Jesus, like, has he been the sole survivor of the match or something? Or, you know what I mean? I was thinking, God, they've gone all in on Walter. And then, I, of course, I, I read the results and I was like, oh, OK, it's, it's actually the opposite. <laughs> he was the first man out of 15 jobbed out. I was like, oh, my God, like, that's just that's just typical. But as I said, I was kind of glad because it just it just shows people that what this this NXT UK the whole thing is a sham and it's it's it it, there is nothing genuine about the reasons it was set up and there's nothing you know there people aren't going to become superstars out of NXT UK it's going to stop them becoming superstars of anything
0: Really, Jamesy? Though, do you think David Starr's going to instantly go for a claymore kick the next time
2: well, <laughs> <laughs> he faces Walter? He definitely should, shouldn't he? Absolutely, yeah. Oh, <laughs> if, only he done, if only he'd done one of those a few years ago, it would have saved him an awful lot of trouble. <laughs> so, oh,
1: I was going to. Oh, I was sorry. I was. I was just going to ask in terms of his his contract, Walter's contract, because obviously he's on a much shorter contract than I think a lot of the other people. Um, whether or not it's just a year or something like that, or whether or not it rolls up into. two do you think, ultimately, if he you know, thinks about the booking of him in this match, is it somewhere he's really going to want to be?
0: It's a weird I... one with Walter, because remember when he was on uh, Flash Morgan Webster's podcast with uh, Axel Dieter Jr., like, years ago mm-hmm. now, and mm-hmm. they were both talking, and Axel Dieter Jr. was like, yeah, yeah, I want to go to America and everything. And Walter was like, no, no, he wants to do all that. I just want to stay in Germany and run this wrestling school and wrestle, you know, I'll do a bits around Europe. And then... As soon as that podcast dropped, he was like announcing PWG and doing all these uh, American dates and doing more in the UK and stuff like that. And it seemed to be going, and then he's gone even further against what he seemingly wanted to do in the first place.
2: Yeah, he he's, I I have learned not to take much he says in that kind of, like, in yeah. an interview environment at his word, because, like, he has literally said, everything he said he won't do, he has gone on to do, you know what I mean? And even when the NXT UK thing was signed, it was kind of, well, he you know, he's just going to be in Europe, and it's his way of staying in Europe and being able to work WXW, and that hasn't really panned out either, you know? But what I would say, like, from the brief glimpses I get of Walter as a person and as a personality, I feel like... I feel like he's kind of in this WWE thing for the money, honestly. And like he he is on a very, very good contract. Like I, you know, I don't know figures, and and it's not the kind of thing that I'm party to. But I understand that the offer that was made to him to get him to sign up was pretty much an offer that that nobody would refuse. You know what I mean? And um, yes, I miss Walter an awful lot from the Indies and that kind of thing. But like, in a way, I kind of respect it. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if if at least Walter, when he signed the WWE contract, knew his value and, you know, respected his own. St- I didn't sign the first thing that was thrown like they've been trying to get him for years and he's always said no to him. You know what I mean? And it took a great offer to get him to sign up there. So there's somebody that at least valued himself. And if you're going to go there at least make sure you're, you know, you're securing you and your wife's future and your family's future and that kind of thing. And I feel like his view of WWE would be, I don't think he has, he's a mark for WWE in any way in the way that an awful lot of wrestlers are. I feel like it very much is a business transaction for him where he's, he shows up he does what they tell him, he does his job and he goes home and he enjoys the trappings of his wealth and that kind of thing. And, and and you know, in, in a way, I kind of respect that more than people signing the first contract that's put in front of them and people gushing over how much they love WWE. And like we had Michael May over here from Ireland who, who was on the last tapings and he he was due to be in a match. And before he even got to wrestle this match, he was taken out by Eddie Dennis. And he so basically he was flown in by NXT UK to not even have a match. And then Michael's on Twitter later talking about how this was a fulfillment of a dream for him. And, you know, you're kind of thinking, come on, Michael, like, you know, dream bigger and, you know, back yourself. And, you know, this, you know, like, so I, I kind of respect Walter's stance on the whole thing an awful lot more than I do other wrestlers. You know, at least the man is getting paid. And like, I feel like he has no emotional attachment to WWE. And I feel like if he got a similar offer from somewhere else, he'd happily walk away in the morning, you know.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's the case. He's definitely in it for the money, and like you say, I think they ob- obviously did give him an offer, he So yeah, fair play mm-hmm. to him on that one. But um, sticking with WWE, and obviously there's been a ton of news from NXT UK in the past few weeks. Uh, they did a recent taping in Hull, and they announced they'll be running the third NXT UK takeover in Blackpool on the 12th of January. Tickets sold out in Two hours apparently, and uh, they also announced a bunch more tape-ins for the new year, including York. Of all places, not really known for its uh, for its wrestling in York, but um, I mean, looking at spoilers for the tapings in Holland. Seemingly, it'll be Joe Coffey challenging Walter for the NXT UK title. I mean, it's such a huge shame Benno isn't here for this massive news. uh... (laughs) Big fan, isn't he? Oh, yeah, huge uh, Joe Coffey fan. Um, I bet he wished he was in that uh, Survivor Series spot. But anyway, I mean, Jamesy for this one. um, Joe Coffey headlining his second NXT UK takeover here.
2: Jesus, it's 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 grim enough, like, isn't it? <laughs> like, t- think of all the options, like, Jesus, it's it's you know we give out about how bad the product is, but like it's a loaded roster with talent. When you think about the people they have, Ilya Dragunov, Tyler Bates, Jordan Devlin, like, surely, and they only run these takeovers. It seems to be they're settling into a pattern of maybe two a year. So, like, they only kind of have to put on two big matches a year. So, like, the, the choosing coffee is, is just bizarre to me. You know what I mean? Like, he, he's just, you know, I, I heard the lads on Grapple speculating that he, he's, he must be a wrestler's wrestler. Uh, yeah, as you guys said, like a Randy Orton, where everybody yeah. in the locker room loves to work with him. He's solid. He's a good pro. But, like... The solid good pros shouldn't be the superstars. They should be the guys who are kind of working with the younger wrestlers, or they should be the guy you beat to get the number one contenders match or something like that. You know what I mean? They shouldn't be the guy in the main event. And it's just, it, it you know, like I, I didn't feel like they put on a very enticing card for the last takeover. And looking down the card they put on here, it, it just feels very phoned in and very formulaic and very by the numbers and kind of, Let's give Joe Coffey his turn on top now kind of a thing, you know, and doesn't fill me with an awful lot of enthusiasm, I have to say.
0: No, JP wasn't uh, the best look in, in that first takeover against Pete Dunn, was it, for Joe Coffey? And I kind of thought that was going to be one and done for him as far as main mm-hmm. events go.
1: Same here. Um I hated it. I remember the, the, the review did with a co-host of mine, uh, Joe, Joe <laughs> Lemon over that. Who I also that think was really on
0: popular a- on uh, the post forum. That. I remember Joe <laughs> went down the tree. <laughs> was
1: it was a legendary performance by
2: Rev Joe, if I remember right. It's, it's it really was. He's, I think he gatekeeping
0: has, was used on more than one
1: occasion. <laughs> <laughs> um, he has, let's just say he's got strong opinions on Joe coffee. Um, it's yeah. It, It was awful, that match. I didn't enjoy that match with Pete Dunne the first time round. I know some people were really high in it. I was at that lower end of the scale. Um, And like you, I thought it was one and done, and they were doing this. Like, really, what has he done since then to kind of show that this is the level that he should be at? It seemed – it's very bizarre because I suppose one of our bigger complaints about the existence of NXT UK is that if it was good – how would we feel about it? Mm, yeah, and when you put on a main event like this, I'm not. I, I'm like almost hate watching it at that point. I'm kind of curious to see, like, well, I say hate watching it, it's very strong. I'm kind of. I, I, it's almost like I've got a ceiling in my head for what it is, and I'll be stunned if it gets anywhere kind of close to that because I just don't have any faith. And, and we're going to talk about it in a bit, but um, seeing the show closing angle of of this week's NXT UK, I just kind of thought no this doesn't work at all. It, it it didn't feel, It doesn't feel like a main event and he doesn't feel special. And as you said, James, you get two of these a year, you can do better than this. Mm, okay. Walter Devlin is obviously the one that kind of comes to mind. My God, you know, I'd even be happy with sort of even Walter Trent seven, to be frank with you. Yeah. 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 Walter Tyler Bay. I mean, I mean, obviously there are others you can go around that and it's just not a good use. Yeah. It, it's just kind of baffling. And, and I was hoping the idea of that dragon off might get added to it, but you know, whether or not they do that on the, the, the well, they won't, have, it's, they're not going to have time to do it. Are they? No, to unless kind of they have, do it on the night itself. So. Unless yeah. they do it on the night. Yeah. That's but the only that's, thing.
2: That's lazy as well. Like, because yeah. uh, uh, just looking at the spoilers, the, the tag match is a four way. Yeah. The women's title match is a three way. So, like, sure, you you can't have the have the main event as a three way again. You know what I mean? Like, that's a mess. That 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 to me screams lazy. If that's what your card is going to be, like, you know, to throw a few people in a match, you know, you, you, instead of building compelling one on one rivalries, you're just throwing a mishmash of people into matches and hoping for the best. You know what I mean? So, like, I I, I honestly would nearly just prefer a one on one Coffee Walter than just throwing Ilya Dragunov in there as a random three way. I think that that's that's nearly worse in my book. Yeah.
0: I think JP raised a really good point there because they've got the talent, they've got the tools, they've got the budget to put on a really good product, and they just don't. I mean, obviously, I mean we'll jump into it now because they can be good, good. I mean, they it's like once a blue moon sort of thing. Well, obviously, the last episode that uh, that we watched, Ily Dragonoff and Alexander Wolf had a had a had a really good match. I mean, outside of a few Jordan Devlin performances and and the takeovers, they've not really had that great. They've really had many good matches, but um, I really enjoyed this one between Dragunov and Wolf. Um, I mean, it existed in a bubble, and it'll probably be business as usual this week. But James here, a a good match in Isolation, I thought, on the last episode.
2: A really good match. Like, I I was surprised by how much I enjoyed this. And, like, I, I was sitting there watching it, thinking to myself, like, if this was what they delivered on a weekly basis... I would have no problem tuning in. You know what I mean? And as you said, JP, my overall resentment would probably be less because at least I could see something worthwhile coming from it. Like to go back to your point, JP, nobody really complained when that first NXT UK tournament happened because it was a really good two nights of wrestling. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like a lot of the complaints, we we were suspicious of it, but then we saw that show and thought like, that was really good. That Tyler Bates, Pete Dunne match like one of the best matches to ever take place in the UK and you are kind of thinking okay if they can deliver that level of quality product I could accept it a little bit more you know what I mean Uh, and like the fact that it's so unusual for this match to be good and for us to be surprised at how good it is kind of says a lot you know what I mean and yeah I really enjoyed this match like really fast-paced hard hitting good psychology you kind of felt like they were two wrestlers who knew each other well. And it was kind of like that thing when wrestlers are friends, they kind of hit each other a little bit harder and that kind of thing. And they very much wrestled the match like real life friends. Um, there were some really good fine detail that you don't normally see in a WWE match. Like there was the, that coast to coast drop kick where Ilya injured Wolf's leg. Mm-hmm. And then Wolf kind of injured it more when he got his feet up for the back sent on. And then a few minutes later, he tried to go for a suplex, but the, the injured leg buckled underneath him, you know. And that's the kind of thing that gets my attention. And that's the kind of fine detail that I really like in wrestling and that you don't often see in WWE, you know. So, yeah, really, really good match, you know what I mean? And looking at Alexander Wolf there, like at him having a match of that quality, I had to kind of check when he was signed by WWE, he's been in their system now for four and a half years, and he was in that Sanity faction for a while, and they kind of made it to SmackDown, and it was a bit of a disaster, and they were quietly taken off TV and broken up and went their separate ways. And like, to my, and I was racking my brains and even looking through his cage match profile, and like, I think this might be the first meaningful TV singles match he's had since he signed for WWE four and a half years ago. Like, what a waste of a career. Like, like when he signed for WWE, there was no NXT UK and he must have thought, I'm going to America and fingers crossed, I'll become a star. At the very least, I'll make it to NXT and if I'm lucky, I'll be called up to the main roster because at that time, it was a developmental system. And like, look at him now. He was relegated from NXT proper, from, from SmackDown. He was on SmackDown, went to NXT and is relegated to this UK brand. You know, so, like, you know, I'm sure the guy is getting paid and that kind of thing. Like, But a, from a career fulfillment point of view, there is no way you can look back on that four and a half year career and be happy. You know what I mean? And again, it's just it's just it's the waste. And that's what kills me. All these talented people on this brand and the waste of talent and the waste of people who could be doing things that are so much better.
0: Yeah, I suppose uh, it's the equivalent of... Um... Signing a, d- a development contract with Manu and getting sold to Rotherham, isn't it, James? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: But at least, at least if you go to Rotherham, you might get the chance of moving up again. You know what I mean? Or you, you know, somebody might see you playing well and bring you back to the Premiership. Like, but I think this is about it for Paul Alexander Wolfe. This is a, 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 that TV match. Like, he's he's what he's the number four guy in Imperium. That's probably as good as it's going to get for him, and that's probably the last singles match he has in the next six to twelve months on TV. You know, which is it's kind of frightening almost really you know
0: did were you a
1: fan of this match, jp i was and uh, very much like uh like you uh i kind of this was something i hadn't been expecting i'd heard a little bit kind of buzz but i didn't know how much i'd like it because i'd watched some of the show earlier on and i really wasn't impressed up to that point Nay, it was some of it was just downright rubbish um but with this match, it, it like you said earlier on, it existed in the bubble. This felt entirely within that bubble. I kind of forgotten about the Imperium stuff necessarily because one of the stories the commentators were building up was the teacher versus student stuff. So you could tell that they were laying it in that bit harder and that bit thicker. And and there was some like Wolf's facials in particular, and being able to kind of. Um, I just enjoyed the way that he was being like, quite brutal around sort of Ilya Dragunov. who has that kind of great dead expression at points. I just found myself kind of engaged by it. And it was a 15-minute match that went very, very quickly. Um, I was surprised he got the win. But then as soon as that finished, it almost felt like, well, they had, uh, obviously there had been that, that kind of slight bit of interference beforehand. But then he had Gallus come in. And I almost feel like this is where the match is going to kind of be forgotten about. And it isn't something that they're going to kind of push up and, and try and build up maybe a bit more of a feud. Because more matches between these guys on the shows would, would be would be something that would be worthwhile. But you don't have any faith in the kind of follow-up to it. So I suspect this is going to be very much the exception and not really the rule. Yeah,
0: I remember when um, they had the first ever episode of uh, NXT UK and I think it was... a uh, no. Uh... Pete Dunne against Noam Dar and, and we were sort of saying oh well perhaps it won't be as bad if, if you have sort of like Pete Dunne putting on matches, really good matches sort of every show and, and then that didn't kind of matriculate, that didn't kind of come a, come around and, and then so now it seems to be like NXT UK is highly um, sort of like avoidable and then you sort of wait for people to sort of like jump on matches like this. And it is a shame because they have got all the talent to have sort of like really good matches every week. So it's a a shame they don't really do that. But I I suppose in relevant news, while we move on to sort of other things, IPWK have announced that they'll be ceasing running live events at the end of the year. Obviously, the promotion has been running since 2004 and was sort of one of the mainstays of uh, the British wrestling scene. Lots of controversy surrounding them and their their previous owner, and then they had new owners coming in a couple of years ago, but the audience had already left at that point, I think. Uh, obviously, they didn't help themselves during WrestleMania weekend and joined about 20 people. Uh, i mean <laughs> sure you can blame NXT UK <laughs> for this, but the writing's been on the wall for IPW for a while now, hasn't it, JP?
1: It has. Um, I, could, I remember the last time I went there, I went to their Milton Keynes venue, Unit 9, for a show that was good, but they were kind of... Filming TV for it, but and they sort of had those added costs, but it you know it didn't seem to go anywhere. I'm not sure if it was part of those tapings when they were on the Fight Network as well. So I think NXT UK and the existence of that didn't help, certainly didn't help in terms of some of the talent they'd be able to get. But you think back to the main year weekend, and that's the one that kind of cements in recent history for a brand that really didn't need to be resurrected in the first place. There was no, I didn't didn't sense there was any clamor for IPW to come back. Um, So yeah. And it was hard to know what its niche was. It was kind of not a good enough, a work rate promotion, but it didn't have, you know, it wasn't particularly good in any, any area necessarily. So when I went along, I was like, yeah, it was, it was fun, but it wasn't something I was going to be invested in. And I've never seen anything about it since then that's made me think this is something you need to get into, other than they may occasionally have Noah wrestlers over, one of whom is still the IPW Junior Heavyweight Champion, by the way, and I think defended it in Noah the other week. Wow, but, <laughs> so that's going to yeah. stick
0: around. Uh, that's going to stick around in Noah, then I, I'm imagining.
1: Oh, it'll be like um, like Sasuke with all his belts, won't it? It'll, you know. <laughs> I think, I think yeah, it's think w- who might w- have that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was yeah.
2: floating around Japan there for about 20 years until they suddenly realised it and kind of pulled it back. <laughs> it would just be one of those <laughs> mad titles that floats around Japan and it'll end up on some scummy indie in Japan.
1: <laughs> being yeah. defended by someone. <laughs>
2: So, maybe that's the best place for us.
1: <laughs> I, w- I would I would say it is. There's no clamour to have it come back as a as a kind of promotion. Whether or not the vet I think there's been some stories about that the venue's still going to be used and there's still going to be some show there, so I'll be intrigued to see what takes its place. But um, you know, it's in an industrial estate in Milton Keynes, so I wouldn't get too excited about anyone anything glamorous turning up there. So yeah, it's gone. I think we'll all live.
0: <laughs> yeah, and plus I think they've been living off that history, and that history is, you know, when they were one of the few promotions around. So uh, obviously it was exciting having a British wrestling promotion, you know, when there were few around. But now there's a lot more promotions doing a lot better things. You know, it, they kind of got uh, you know, left behind, didn't they? And it certainly didn't help. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the controversy around their original owner and things like that. So oh, yeah, well, I suppose. Exactly. Uh, so it was, it's like you say, it wasn't probably worth coming back in the first place, but. Mm. um I mean, moving away from them and on to uh, another promotion that's had a bit of a tumultuous year, to say the least, uh, with Red Pro, I mean, they've been putting on some big cards with disappointing results, you know, fans have been a bit confused and annoyed, but, um, I mean, obviously they also had problems with Josh Bowden in the summer, but um, we recently we've seen Southside fold into the company and they're running more towns, and then obviously the announcement of the third annual J-Cup with a cracking line-up, and, um, JP, you went down to York all this past Mm -hmm. weekend. Was this a return to form that Red Pro desperately needed?
1: I wouldn't say it was a return to form for what you might expect from the really big shows. I found overall it was a very – it was a good show is how I would describe it. Um, Joe had described it as most stuff being generally between three to four stars – and yeah. that was the kind of realm of it. But do you know what? I think they just needed a show like that. Mm. I'd say the numbers were around about 800 there, which is obviously down from sort of the bigger York Hall shows, which can go up to sort of, you know, 1,100 generally. But it was, it was a good crowd. They didn't do anything dumb. They kind of played it very safe and quite conservative for the most part of how they wanted this show to go. One of the bigger issues, and it affected Benno more than it affected me, is the show itself was four four hours long, so people have to leave in the main event if they yeah. travel down specifically to see it, which is a problem that Rev Pro. You know, it's not it's it's not exactly something. This is the first time this has happened, but on the show overall, um, you know, it's the first time I've seen Amazing Red, for example. Um, so him and Pack had uh, a really a fun match. It's not the Amazing Red of sort of two thousand and three yeah. here. And um, as Benno had, had commented on, he's not really like a, he was never a five-star wrestler anyway, but um, it was really good seeing him. And he was in, he was in good shape. He did, he doesn't do nearly as much spectacular stuff, but neither should he. And he's good enough to kind of, uh, it's difficult to know about him, his retirement and the rest of it. But as someone who could come over for sort of some big shows, I'm, I'm sure Jamesy you'd love to see him in OTT, oh, yeah, you know, he'd be, he'd be, he'd be a really good fly in to have in. And his match with pack was, was good. Um, the issue I'd say about the J cup overall, and certainly the first rounds is all of the matches I think were in the case, apart from pack amazing red, which kind of went the length that it should have done. Everything else was a bit too long. And I think that didn't help in terms of the pacing, uh, like the card overrunning at the end. I think that was some, that was definitely somewhat of a, of an issue. Um, But I'd also say as well, one of the better women's matches, if not the best women's match I've seen rev pro put on. And one of the other selling points of it was the fact that Tessa Blanchard was there and she was in there against Giselle Shaw, who I had seen, I'm trying to think possibly on a cockpit show um, previously, but uh, you know, it was great. You could tell again that they were friends and they got on because they laid into each other, Um, managed to catch a word of them at the end after the show and Giselle Shaw was bleeding from the mouth and Tessa had a big sort of welt developing under her eyes. She looked like she was going to get a proper shiner. Bloody hell. Um, yeah. And it was, but it was really, it was, it was a lot. You could see how good Tessa Blanchard was. And that was the thing I was intrigued by It's like, how good is she? She's excellent. Um, something that we've said, and, and I feel as well is, is if there's a chance of getting her into AEW, if you, you know, what her, how long her contract status is with, with impact, God knows but she's someone who definitely would raise the profile of their women's division. So that, that was really good. Um, I suppose finally going on to the person who won it all, Michael Oku, um, he had, you know, a really good night. It felt like it was exactly the right move. Um, I saw some people were annoyed at the main event because of the fact that PAC wasn't pinned to me. They've got that match coming up in December between PAC and Oku. So, you know, it just felt to me like, oh, well, they're just building up that, and the fact that he, you know destroyed the cup afterwards and attacked Oku after he'd won the uh the four way main event. I think that you know the way the stretchery they're going with Oku to uh, being at a point where he should be beating El Phantasmo into you know one of the into the first sort of big show card, hopefully of the new year, because it feels like the crowd are very much with him, and of all the kind of homegrown stars that they have. He is the one, clearly you can tell he's special, he's got that great underdog, and he's starting to fill out, which does help with the kind of credibility of the people he's in there against.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think, uh, you know, as much as we can, you know give Red Pro a load of flack because they have missed the ball on loads of people are not they I mean obviously yes. they had their relationship with OTT and they've mm-hmm. still never used Scotty Davis or more than Hype yep. obviously um, the Kings of the North were fetching on this show you know especially mm-hmm. after James is saying last on the last episode that nobody books the Kings of the North obviously <laughs> no <laughs> Red Pro Andy Q now.
2: listens I'm telling you Andy Q must be listening yeah <laughs> and, uh,
0: but yeah I mean that's off to him with Oku, because so obviously he's, he's everywhere and he's um, in progress, but he's he's in, he's obviously main evented at uh, the ballroom. We talked about that on the last show, but I feel like he could really be like a, a, a homegrown guy for Red Pro. And you know, it's great to see him finally getting his dukes. Obviously, this guy has been everywhere for the past couple of years doing ring crew, helping him with autograph signings, just anything that needed to be done. It's great to see uh, the yeah. hard work paying off for him, and obviously, he's got the. He's not quite the finished article yet, but, it, you know, the the talent's there. Um, I'm certainly not a body guy in, in any respect, but obviously I feel like, you know, maybe he could go on the Will Ospreay, um, you know, Yesin Reese diet. I don't know if you guys <laughs> I mean, you can see Osprey's results from, you know, being doing the Yesin Reese diet for like three months. And, yeah, it's certainly a big difference there. But, yeah, certainly I, I could see Oku being the big guy for a pro next year, uh, James. He obviously had a great debut for uh, OTT earlier this year as well, didn't he?
2: Yeah, he's, he strikes me as a really good kid. And he strikes me as a guy with an incredible work ethic. Like, I, I saw a tweet. I think it was Eddie Dennis was putting him over there. And the weekend he just had. So he was he did a training seminar in the Knuckle Lux Academy on Saturday morning. He went to another seminar in a different training facility on Saturday afternoon. He wrestled on Saturday night. I think it was for someone like good wrestling. I can't remember, but he, he wrestled a match Saturday night, then goes to London on the Sunday, does progress, has a very good match there by all accounts, races across the city to we call, uh, wrestles pack and then wrestles in the finals. So wrestles four matches in the weekend, two training seminars. So like, you know, when you see that kind of hunger to learn and hunger to better yourself mm. and you see him you know that there's out clearly and as you said jp the physique now developing like you know what i mean that's the kind of guy that deserves a spot you know what i mean yeah. and my one fear about him is you have in the current climate you have to be quick with people and you have to push people hard and fast almost because they could be gone in, in six months time or they could be gone in a year's time you know what i mean and i just hope that he's not going to get pushed too hard and too fast by places, you know, like in an ideal world, you would kind of have a a two year rise to the top of the British scene from where he is at the moment. You know what I mean? But Mm. like, there's, there isn't anyone else at the moment, and there are very few other people rising up as fast as him. So I, I, just hope that people are patient with him, and I hope that, like you know, if he gets in a big spot and maybe it doesn't go as well as, a, as a more experienced wrestler would do, that that people will be patient with him and that people will just continue to encourage him and that kind of thing because he's brilliant. And it's, it's only when you see him live, like I've, I've seen him on tape a lot this year. It was only when I saw him in OTT that I got the charisma properly. Yeah. Like that guy has an amazing charisma. He has the best merch table charisma of any wrestler I've ever seen. Like he was, he was selling beanie hats to friends of mine who were standing in the queue for other wrestlers. And before they knew it, they'd handed their money over and the hat was sold. Like the guy is just, he's just a brilliant talker. He has great charisma. He draws people in, you know what I mean? And this thing with the pack, you know what I mean? Like I'll be very, very, very annoyed if, if the pack match the next time ends with a, a, a shitty finish again. Like mm-hmm. it has to be that he puts him over. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 you know uh, like if if RevPro know that Pac can't do jobs, then they shouldn't be putting him in this position. They shouldn't be putting and they shouldn't be putting Michael Oko in that position because people will turn on that match badly. Like if if mm-hmm. that ends with a bad finish people will not be happy. Like, people weren't happy leaving after the Osprey match. People weren't happy leaving after the Zack Sabre Jr. match. People weren't particularly happy, I don't think, when when in that final he used a chair and got disqualified, you know what I mean? And like, if if RevPro knowingly have booked that uprising show and know that Pac can't job again, that's that's bad like you just don't do it put pack in a different situation and just put him in a match with somebody that he can beat you know what i mean and like it's it's the black mark against pack in what has been a kind of a sneakily good year for pack where he's gone around and had these very good matches all over the place with people and it's only when you step back and take a look at his overall resume you realize god actually pack has had a great year um this kind of stuff is the black mark against it. Like, and again, like, it was debated long and hard about could he job or could he not before when he was the Dragon Gate champion. He's not the Dragon Gate champion anymore, you know. And I, I, I just it will be very, very poor form. I think, like, you know, th- that match has to end cleanly. And if if Rev Pro booked it knowing that it can't, then I, I would. And like, they're going to get people coming. The people will be buying their ticket to see that match. In the expectation of a, of a of a proper and good finish, and if it doesn't happen, it's it's kind of it's dodgy and it's carnie stuff almost. You know what I mean? And it's it's, yeah. it's not good. And they could easily have just put pack in another match that they were. It wouldn't matter if you won or not. You know. So yeah, that'd be my one concern. And um, yeah, but like I'm looking forward to seeing the show on VOD. I believe um, Cavernario won a lot of people over as well. JP with his performance, mm-hmm. he would have been the first time a lot of people
1: saw him. He did. It was the first time I saw him. Um, I thought him and Eagles was good. The only thing I would say is it went... I think it went 20 minutes, and this, for me, if it had gone a sort of 10-minute balls to the wall, it would have been like almost a perfect uh, presentation of Cavanario. Uh, I was next to Ben Owens at the time when it was going on, who's obviously a big, oh, yeah, big, big,
2: fan. Yeah.
1: big Lucha, Lucha fan. fan. Yeah. And and so he was absolutely buzzed. He was kind of like the, a good person to watch it with. He was he was very good and he's someone he got the plea to come back chant and someone who and this is the other difficult thing we get into the wrestling politics is where cmll play in all of this at the moment because it's really difficult to see what even what the hell's going on over there but if he's someone they can get in for these big shows i'd love to see him in a cockpit um definitely someone i'd like to see back same thing with robbie eagles as well you kind of knew that there was a there definitely was a better match within them um, between them possibly. Cause it was almost like they weren't going out trying to overshadow everybody else, but they had a lot more time I think than, than everybody else pretty much. So I, I was impressed seeing him, but I look forward to seeing him in kind of um, you know, with a few more unique matches in there as well. But I mean, I, everyone was, was kind of really impressed. I also a shout out for sense of who again, Really, kind of, you know, quietly establishing himself, and hopefully he's going to get a lot more bookings around uh, Europe as well. Because he's someone who, when he's been in Rev Pro, he's been he's been good fun to watch.
0: Yeah, and so I think Southside are using him quite a bit mm. as well. So obviously it's good to see him sort of like. Um sort of enveloped into a red pro and and it it, it'd be good if they can sort of like get a more clear uh, red pro roster it seems like they're doing that obviously Mm -hmm. having oku and then sons of alter and then obviously rampage brown and great okan and obviously lord gideon gray as their manager and you know moving on into next year that they can get people that are just red pro guys and then you haven't got to constantly rely on new japan people because you've already built all these other stars up i think that's a definitely what they need to do going into 2020 and just to go back to what jamesy said i think i mean i think oku can eat a loss here from pack and then obviously come back in the new year but like i think if they have another sort of like screwy finish then yeah jamesy i think yeah. that yeah i think the crowd will, will really turn on it but obviously it'd be great for oku being pack to end his uh 2019 and, and what a great year he's had and thoroughly deserves it um I mean obviously you mentioned the big York all show on the fifteenth of December with uh, Oku Repack and and the possibility of Suzuki against Curtis Chapman. Hmm. Uh, was there was a bit of a video with Curtis Chapman uh, challenging Suzuki, wasn't the JP?
1: Yeah, there was, and it's not something the Rev Pro tend to do. Um so it was it was it was good fun. I, I'm sure you've both seen the video by now. Um, as far as a novelty match, and you talk about kind of Oku um, pack being a selling, particularly because of the, the way the first match went and the rematch from that. This is another one, which I have to say, it's selling me on it. I mean, I haven't bought the ticket yet, but I'm very, very likely to go along because I'm just fascinated by the dynamic, the whole kind of mad Kurt stuff. Um, he was doing the keyboard warriors um, gimmick in in Riptide for a while. But he seems to be kind of embracing it everywhere. And it. to be honest, it's something he should have been almost doing a year ago. Um, we mentioned about Oku and Too Much Too Soon. The same thing kind of happened with Curtis Chapman when they put the cruiserweight belt on him. Yeah, he definitely. wasn't at a point where he was yeah. ready at yeah. all. Yeah. And it did kill him. And he's worked hard to kind of build himself up in this way. Yeah. And there's been times where he's hinted at like he's almost going to be going for what I was going to say, like as almost Zack Sabre third kind of um, – uh, A storyline we was doing sort of as as a real kind of matte technician, but this iteration is the version that's going to work. Um, It's going to have some fascinating exchanges with with Chapman and Suzuki. He's going to be absolutely brutalized, and it's going to be bloody awesome. I'm I'm I'm, (laughs) yeah, that it's going to be good fun.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree there. Obviously, you'll have Chapman coming out, like, running away from Suzuki, and then when he eventually catches him, just beating the shit out of him, I think, James. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, like Minoru Suzuki torturing young boys and torturing young wrestlers will w- will never not be entertaining, you know. Yeah. So yeah, like it's it's a, he, he he had hinted at that match himself on Twitter a little while ago, and I would imagine that Rev Pro saw the overwhelming response, like it got hundreds of likes and retweets, and people replying saying yes, please. And I'd say they probably saw that and said like, why not? You know what I mean? But I suppose the, the other side of it is, it's a sign of the times in Brit. Re- like if if you had said to me. Two years ago, that Curtis Chapman versus Minoru Suzuki was going to be a major match in your call, you wouldn't have been impressed and you you would have kind of have laughed at it a little bit, you know what I mean? And in a way, it also kind of is a reflection of just the lack of top class talent that's actually available to Rev Pro. because if they didn't do Curtis Chapman... It's hard to think of who they actually could put in there with Suzuki that would be credible. You know what I mean? So they might as well kind of lean into this Curtis Chapman thing. And it's almost a match that fell into their laps and they got lucky with in a way that's kind of caught people's imagination. So, yeah, as I said, I'm absolutely looking forward to it. And I do love the the, the Curtis Chapman gimmick, the the, the new gimmick that he's come out with. Like we, we praised him a lot on the last Riptide show that we reviewed and that kind of thing. And like it's 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 a credit to him that he's regained his credibility because like, I remember when he was that, that cruiserweight champion in Rev Pro and like, it, it was almost, it was hard to watch the poor guy. Like he was in the ring as the champion and the crowd just didn't accept him. And there was this poor kid in the ring, like being almost openly laughed at by the crowd. You know what I mean? And, and I like, he was put in a, in a position that he wasn't ready for. And like, it's, it's, I I'm, I'm delighted for the lad that he kind of has come back from it. And like he's he's kind of, I see him and Chris Brooks interacting a lot on Twitter, and I see that I feel like he's in Brooks's good books, and Chris Brooks likes his gimmick and that kind of thing, and is kind of behind him. And like if 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 you've got Chris Brooks behind you in Britress in twenty nineteen twenty, then you're doing very well because that guy kind of is the guy that rules roos the roost almost these days, you know. So yeah, as I said, looking forward to it, but also as I said, a kind of a sign of the times that it's a match that's mm-hmm. even happening, I think.
0: So moving away from our uh, sort of usual format and in the spirit of uh, Ask Away, uh, James, you put a shout out for some questions uh, this week on on Twitter and uh, we got a pretty decent response. So yeah, I'll, I'll jump into the mailbag I've a bit of a free-for-all. Uh, obviously, feel free to just jump in whenever, when, whenever you've got an answer. So uh, we'll get into the first one uh, from James Brewster at Brewrest. Uh says, putting aside booking and focusing on matches alone, have you seen an overall change in the wrestling style of the scene over the, past, uh, over the last year? I'm assuming he means specifically in, in European wrestling
2: here. I, I would say that it kind of that actually is a nice segue from, from the, the Curtis Chapman thing. I feel like currently in the European scene, there is a lack of wrestlers who can have great matches. And there's a lack of wrestlers who can have matches that would kind of get attention on a worldwide scale. I think the great matches are happening in OTT at the moment. Um, I, I, there was a discussion between you guys on Grapple there. Uh, I think it was either this week or last week about um, about the lack of. And I put a tweet out last week asking people: Do you genuinely have any Britress match? in your match of the year list. And I'm talking about top 10 worldwide, top 20 worldwide. And I personally don't like, I I would struggle to think of matches in, in Britain that will make my top 50 this year, even, you know what I mean? So like the, the big change for me has been the drop off in high quality, Stuff that stuff that you'd be throwing your four and a half stars plus at. It's just not happening in the UK at the moment. And I feel like the reaction that has happened in the UK has been to lean more into the kind of the meme wrestling and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And like, so, so you get a Curtis Chapman being booked against a Minoru Suzuki, whereas two years ago, it would have been a world class wrestler going up against Minoru Suzuki. Like, in another lifetime, this would be Tyler Bate against Minoru Suzuki or Pete Dunne against Minoru Suzuki or Walter against Minoru Suzuki. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and now that can't happen anymore, you know? So, like, you, you see the, the rise of the Tuesday night graps, the rise of Shad and Friday. Um I was listening to, I don't know if you guys heard Ali Courts um clip that he put out there a couple of hours oh, ago. Oh yes. <laughs> and, I did. Yeah. <laughs> and there's there's a there's a rant by Rev to Rev Joe in the midst of that about the generational divide in British wrestling fans. Like and it, it's kind of true. I do find like that that, that the, the likes of us Mm -hmm. would watch wrestling for the great wrestling and would watch it for the great matches and the great feuds and that kind of thing. And I do think there is, and I'm not criticizing in any way by saying this, but I do think there's a younger generation of wrestler, wrestling fan that would be just as happy to watch comedy wrestling and meme wrestling and the likes of your Tuesday night graps and that kind of thing. And I feel like the scene has kind of leaned into that kind of stuff more and more as the quality of matches has gone down. And it's, you know, you have more wrestlers who specialize in that kind of stuff, kind of rising up and that kind of thing. And it happened in America, like the, the, the U.S. scene has been pulled apart by by signings and that kind of thing and like if you think back to the last few Wrestlemania weekends the amount of meme wrestling and the amount of meme wrestling shows that goes on on those weekends now like between the likes of the Orange Cassidy stuff and you know you have your your war horse now making a rise in the US indies and that kind of thing and you get by just as well being funny I think in wrestling these days than you do being a very good wrestler so I think the rise of meme wrestling and comedy wrestling more than anything is the big change that I can see
0: yeah, because I don't think it's, it's certainly not a new thing, is it? You certainly saw it sort of like um, there'd be one match or one angle on a show that was sort of like um, for the comedy and they were kind of mm-hmm. having a, a bit of a variety, whereas your high-end matches would be sort of like the work-rate matches and then you'd have a bit of comedy smatter out through the show. And I feel like everyone's sort of like going down the attack route now and it's, its entire, like you say, in, entire shows that are just sort of like comedy wrestling. Um but I still feel there's enough sort of like um, there's, there's still enough sort of like decent wrestling on shows and not all shows have gone fully sort of like meme wrestling, oh, as yeah, you yeah. put it. But mm. yeah, I feel like say people are leaning more into that. And obviously, I think JP obviously uh, choosing our grats is proving that uh, people are uh, flocking to see it, aren't they?
1: Well, it is. And, and it exists in its niche. And I'm kind of like in the same way that Attack always has. And I would agree, like, it's fine kind of in and of itself. And that's all right, but it's not something you want to see in all of the shows. Um, I would have to agree that in terms of the the quality of matches, I'm thinking of the best match I've seen in the UK this year is a New Japan match, and that was Minoru Suzuki Akada really? live. Mm-hmm. That, that that was the best, that was the best match I saw in the I've seen in the UK this year. Um, and then after that, there's an awful drop off, and it's partly because you have you know the wrestlers who've gone where they've gone to they haven't been producing those types of matches. If you think in terms of the like the likes for likes, So there's not been any like it's those tiers of wrestlers that have gone, not only the top tier have gone, but you almost like the next two tiers underneath. So we're in this kind of strange position where I think the schools have gotten a lot better. I think the younger wrestlers coming through and, you know, think of the the teams like young guns and stuff and, sure. you know, more than hype. Like, they have this potential if they're allowed to kind of grow and develop. The issue is, is who they're going to work with. And you can't always be having big fly-ins to kind of come in and, and work with these guys to try and try and make them better. So there's like a lot of onus and a lot of responsibility and a lot of young wrestlers to work with each other to hopefully a high standard. And that's a lot of pressure to put oh, yes. on a Michael Oku on a, um, a you know, an LJ Cleary. You know, you, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot to ask of them. But I think, in terms of the way that they're being trained, is probably you could argue it's, it's probably as good as it's ever has been.
0: And uh, James also asked uh, in comparison to previous years, does the quality, variety, and depth of wrestling improved, stay the same, or worse? And I think they've sort of kind of answered that yeah. out there now. Mm. and. Um, and- Zahid Fayaz uh, asked um, Curtis Chapman be Minoru Suzuki for York almost on the match of the year. I think we've sort of answered that already. Mm. And then he also asked, will Michael Oku, uh, OJMO, be Progress or Red Pro's next big star? Kind of, did we sort of answer that? Well, do you think he'll be a big star in Progress? Do you think he'll be? He's already headlined the Electric Ballroom. Can you see him being Progress champion, JP?
1: Um... I can't. I mean, it's it's kind of a race. Of, I I don't know. I think the more organic way for him to be a star would to be in Rev Pro. Yeah. That would feel like the much more natural fit um, rather than being in progress. So that would be where I'd hope he'd be the next star. But then it wouldn't be that crazy for him to somehow end up getting the title of Eddie Dennis in, you know... In some way, shape, or form, or you know, whoever, or, you know, him, him, and Star, whether or not they'd want to transition it onto Star, so I think, I think it's more likely to be Rev Pro because it feels like there's a very clear path that's set out from um after the J Cup from going hopefully from Pack and then and then onto El Fantasma. That feels like a much more route, and even though it would be the cruiserweight title, that would be the thing that kind of cements him as as one of the the big players in Rev Pro.
0: Yeah, I definitely think Red Pro, uh, yeah, definitely see him being a big star in there in, in 2020. And uh, and Will Cooling, obviously, uh, regular contributor to this show, he, he asked, is Benno looking forward to going to TNT's Deathmatch tournament in January? <laughs> obviously, Benno's not here, I highly doubt it. <laughs> um, and he also asked, uh, who do you want to see book for 16-carat?
2: Um, I, I would hope that they kind of... Look, I would hopefully they bring back some of the people who are at Tag League first, first of all. Mm. So, like the people who there was lots of independent guys there who have no restrictions on them that did really well over that weekend. So your JD Drake, your Daniel McCabe, your Dominic Guarini uh, Scotty Davis did really well on the third day. So bring those guys back again. They have no restrictions. You know, like they had so much trouble with people cancelling on them and stuff going wrong for Tag Festival that you kind of have to play it safe. And those are high quality wrestlers who got over with the crowd at Tag Festival and 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 you know we, we will not let anybody down in terms of having good matches and then just personally I would love if they brought in a couple of guys from Japan uh, Fuminori Abe and Takuya Namura, who are really really good young wrestlers from Japan like I could see them put them into ambition for a start and let those two kind of just grapple for, for 10 or 15 minutes and they'd have a phenomenal match and like they're two guys with personality and they're two guys that even if the majority of people at, at Karas didn't know them you could see everybody leave even Carrot on Night Three, kind of buzzing about these guys and about how great they are because they're really, really good. Uh, and then even somebody like a Fred Yehai, who's who's to me the most underutilized talent maybe in world wrestling. Like the the, the fact that that guy doesn't have a contract somewhere like he is an amazing wrestler and again he's free he's you know he's not going to get whisked away by anybody he's been in wxw before and apparently made a good impression on them so so get get him over for for three nights as well you know but i really feel like they have to look for independent talent and and people that they can rely on to be there more than anything you know
0: i think um darius lockhart as well would be a good shout for uh, for wxw certainly yeah I feel so, like um, when I saw him earlier in the year, I wasn't really that high on him. But um, the more I've seen him, and I feel like he he he'd really developed well um, in a sort of mm-hmm. like weekend tournament. I think.
1: I think he would. Someone I'd loved, I'd like to see again. I've only seen once at the York Hall, but Artemis Spencer. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so someone like that, and I know it seems like a kind of a lot of imports, and I completely really go the way. Like, in some ways, this could be a really liberating tournament if it's exactly. sort of 16 yeah. independent wrestlers in terms of where this goes, I'm not thinking about politics. If, if, if that can be kind of avoided, if, if nothing else, then, you know, by them being able to choose. And you mentioned some of the guys from, from tag league as well, who, who, who should be in there. And then you're putting in your kind of lucky kids and absolute and you know, and, and you can have yourself a really good tournament, with a, with a kind of quite refreshing dynamic of mm. who who is going to win the tournament. It's not going to be seen necessarily as obvious, and you can go that way of kind of building up those stars that people will want to come back and see.
0: And, I mean, you mentioned politics there, and Will's asking, with Walter presumably unavailable, what's the title match at 16 carat?
2: It's, it's a very good question, and I presume mm. Will is getting at the fact that there is no obvious match. It's, it's uh, like, I I I looked at that question earlier and I was kind of racking my brains, you know, and we'll assume Thatcher and say Dragunov as well, who would be their other top guy. Like if, if there's NXT UK tapings that weekend, let's just assume that they're not there. But like, it's, it's, it's kind of slim pickings after that. Like, like let's assume say that Thatcher holds the belt until Carrot. Like, out of the homegrown guys, who are their next top guys? I suppose you could do a guns rematch, but like they only did a second guns match, I think last week. Mm. Um, could you do Absolute Andy against Thatcher? It, it doesn't doesn't jump off the page to me as a big match? Maybe Star against Thatcher will be a good match. It would kind of you know two, two guys who are who are kind of well supported and that kind of thing. Then you're down to Marius Alani, you're in Simmons. They're not big main eventers in my head you know what i mean so this is again where like this is where the the, the weakness lies i suppose and this is the downside to the NXT UK, like the, the, their top guys won't be there. And it's, it's, it's you know, they're really going to have to work hard between now and next March to maybe build somebody up, build somebody, one of the younger wrestlers up to kind of to, to face Thatcher. Um, because at the moment, there's, there's nothing jumping out. I mean, I don't know if you can think of anyone better, JP, but that there's nothing jumping off. The, like usually those matches are quite obvious far out, yeah. which isn't a bad thing. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's good to kind of know what the plan is and that kind of thing. I have no idea who could be in that match, you know, and it's, it's a very difficult one.
1: In, in some ways the match that it should have been would have been thatcher versus lucky kid given that they' yeah. their one one record again uh, the the what happened in in carrot um with him being thatcher there as well you know um yeah. that would have been yeah, something true. but they but they have not done a, a good job with lucky kid at all so no. that for me is something that doesn't seem likely the one the other one that came to mind was star but that kind of almost feels like a very safety first reliable option to go back to that but what what would be the you know what would be the story leading into that match? So yeah, it would be. Div- I mean, outside of that, unless they kept it as a, a massive surprise and managed to get some sort of outsider in for the night, uh, I don't know. It, it, it's a. It, I would imagine if I was going to have a better one, I'd say Star.
2: Yeah. It's a safe, the safe pair of hands. Like what would the independent scene do if it wasn't for David Starr at the moment? Like he's just, he really is carrying the whole thing on his back. Like,
1: isn't he? He is. He is exactly. And he's someone who is, who's kind of, he's, he's like old faithful at this point. Um, Mm. He really is. He's, he's what you go back to in times of need.
0: Yeah, and it's so weird with what Red Pro have done with him when you think about it, isn't it? It'd be interesting to see if he, have, yeah. if he comes back to Red Pro next year. But um, moving on from that, and uh, Drew McEwen, as uh, said, asked, was Marifuji and Morishima decked out in sports direct clothes the most fashionable thing seen in wrestling in this country? And um, just a bit of background for that, for those unfamiliar, uh Noah, Noah ran a show at the Coventry Skydome in the UK, uh, I think it's called... Um, European navigation in 2008 and Marishima and Marifuji apparently lost their gear on the way to the UK so add to it the uh, fashionable streets of Coventry and found the uh, the local sports apparel <laughs> shop right. I mean check out the DVD just to see Marifuji wrestling in his tracky bottoms uh, Well, yeah anyone more uh, more fashionable than those two in their uh, um, head to tail in their uh, sports direct clothes
2: well, oh. Benno was there, Benno was
1: there in the Zoro H track suit, so well, that's yes. probably. <laughs> That's that's the greatest tracksuit this country's ever seen by <laughs> by, a, by a long while. Strutting around in his ROH tracksuit looking very well. <laughs> with his baseball cut turned back, I've seen
2: that picture. Brilliant. Oh yeah, yeah. Big time, big time, yeah. Oh, exactly. Picture, but
0: yeah. yeah, everyone's seen the picture of Benno and CM Punk by now, yeah, with uh with Benno and his, uh, <laughs> in his infamous. It's infamous now that ROH tracksuit. Such a shame he gave it away really, because uh <laughs> Well I've got to say British Bulldog. I mean every picture I've ever everyone's any posted of him, it's Zubaz and Gold Jim tank top. I mean, even (laughs) in the late nineties, I mean when the rest of the boys had moved on from that, Bulldog's still there, keeping it real with the and Zubaz rather and the gold Gold and the bum, bag. Top. Yeah, the bum bag. Yeah, the bum bag. I, think, um, I <laughs> Always think it must the have been some, his birthday around recently. I think uh, George Smith posted a picture. And even in Disneyland yeah. with his kids, he's still there rocking the, uh, the fanny
1: pack <laughs> and the Zuba.
0: <laughs> oh, bloody hell. Oh, money he made. He couldn't even buy it. Yeah.
1: It was like him and Luger were just swapping clothes. At the yeah. time, like
2: yeah. <laughs> comfort over fashion. There comes a time in a man's life where he sacrifices fashion and just goes for pure comfort. And oh. Just stops caring. And I'm well into it now at this stage. Yeah,
1: I was just about to say that is <laughs> yes. me now. Yeah, <laughs> I and I ditto that. Completely embrace comfort <laughs> over fashion. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> and uh, Ben at Benny Owens asked, uh, which promotions/slash performers do you expect to have a big uh, two? Uh, 2020 and it's I suppose it's a hard one to answer that isn't it really because I don't I, for me I don't really expect anyone promotions to have a, a big 2020 I feel like as long as they can keep on going and, and create um, a bit of interest in them and sort of like have um, decent crowds for every show I feel that must be the goal for most promotions especially considering how many have gone by the wayside this year I think
1: yeah yeah, yeah. I, I would agree that on the promotions fund, I kind of, you just want a bit of stability to be honest with you. I think that's the, the thing that's kind of most needed is show, you know, companies putting on solid shows and with, with solid talent and being able time, you know, obviously it's going to be the younger, it's going to be the younger workers and do that kind of rebuilding period properly than rather what happened after NXT UK where everything felt in a state of flux and, and, promotions didn't kind of get the house in order of these are the people we can work with because these are the ones we can afford and we've got booked dates for. So we're going to go with them rather than a kind of a lot. Cause I found that's the position that Rev pro found themselves in and are now only now getting to a point where they're, they're starting to kind of try and build up their own roster and obviously having some of South side in there as well. But of the ones I kind of hear about the ones I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued at young guns as a tag team. Um, the one I think it's really set up for, is Scotty Davis mm-hmm. in the UK yeah. at last that would be the thing that I'm, I've I've seen him in TNT and obviously he's he's got the tag belts in progress as well but I cannot understand for the life of me why RefPro Pro haven't had him in the cockpit you know yeah it's crazy that kind it's of crazy. stuff is
0: and they could have been there first as well, couldn't they? They mm-hmm. could have been there first with all these yeah. sort of like, um, OTT guys, because obviously they had that relationship where they were, uh, lending them New Japan talent, uh, for their shows. So, yeah, it's such a shame that they never really did that. Because I suppose this question kind of goes into a uh, Mark Buckledy's, uh, question, because he mm-hmm. was asking, who have be seen for the first time in. 2019, who has impressed you? So I suppose Jamie, uh, James, you talk about promotions and then who was, uh, who was impressed you in 2019 who could have an even bigger 2020.
2: Yeah, well, I, I think what, what you guys said about the promotions, just keeping the doors open and keeping keeping reasonable crowds coming in is enough at the moment. You know what I mean? And hopefully we won't see too many other places fall by the wayside. I do feel that the two promotions who I feel are still kind of on the up would be maybe a Riptide and an OTT. Like they kind of stand alone in the UK and Ireland scene at the moment as promotions that they still feel hot and they still feel like there's a big buzz around them. They still like OTT sold out that they have a show on Saturday, sold it out within twenty four hours, four hundred tickets gone, and, and four of the most highly priced tickets that they've ever had as well and still sold them out within 24 hours. Riptide seemed to be getting full houses in their venue in Brighton all the time. So I, I would kind of still look to those as people who could kind of be on the up, I suppose, next year. Um, in terms of people I saw for the first time this year, like uh, you guys mentioned the young guns um, and in particular, Luke Jacobs. Like I, I saw that guy have a match with Scotty Davis, actually, now that you mention him, um, JP. He had a match in breed wrestling. They they, they did a hybrid tournament, um, a kind of a shoot style tour, uh, shoot style show, I should say, not a tournament. I think it was in March this year, and the match Luke Jacobs and Scotty Davis had was was really good, like really really excellent, top class stuff. There, and, and that's a match I would I would recommend people go out and have a look at. Um, Joe Nelson. The guy who I, mm-hmm. I, I saw for the first time this year, I saw him have a really good... It's on YouTube, actually. Good match with Speedball in, in IPW UK, actually. God rest him. Um, <laughs> but yeah, have a look at that. He has a really good match. Um, Jay Joshua, another guy that I would have seen in Breed. Like a, a bigger guy and like not many bigger guys on the UK scene at the moment like you know what I mean so there's definitely an opening for him to kind of take off next year um, Norman Harris in Germany saw kind of probably for the first time a tag festival wasn't too impressed with how he was booked but like just seeing him the way he moves around the ring he really reminds me of a young kind of Axel Dieter Jr like a really really Just a polish about him and a presence about him. I feel like he's someone who'll go far. So, yeah, those names. Danny Luna in the female side. um, I feel like she has big potential. And Cassius in Riptide as well. Somebody who Mm kind of came out of nowhere for me, but just has great charisma. And, like, I think someone who can thrive in the scene the way it is at the moment as well if he gets more chances next year.
0: Yeah, Cassius was fantastic on that um, on that last Riptide show we watched yeah. for the uh, bank holiday weekend in that open air venue. Really, really good. I mean, just to reiterate what you've just said, obviously Luke Jacobs, really young but obviously reminds you of a, a young sort of like Daniel Bryan. Saw him have a great mm-hmm. match Big with time, Joe Joshua yeah. in Breed. Uh, fantastic match. And sticking mm. with Breed, I thought Big Guns Joe had a great year in Breed. I, I think I've only yeah. seen him really in Breed. But as far as getting a connection with the crowd and certainly, uh, you know, main event in that cave show that they had. That was uh, great to see that. And then, I mean, we're talking about all these sort of, like, 18, 19-year-olds. There's all these people who've got bags of potential who are like... Like, there's this kid, Leon Slater, who appeared for Breed, only about 15, but uh, obviously still got tons to learn, but looked fantastic flying around the ring. And you can imagine how good he's going to be in a couple of years when he's 18, 19. And then, obviously... Really enjoyed that Chantelle Jordan match against Joey Ginella. I thought that was good. And uh, I think she's only yeah. like 15, 16 oh, yeah, as yeah, well. So yeah. you, you think of all the talent that's around that's like uh, in the late teens, and then you've got all these other people coming up as well. Uh, JP, was there anyone that we've not mentioned that also stood out for you uh, this year?
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think of, um, I'm trying to think possibly in terms of some of the imports who I I haven't um, seen before. I think it was in the first year that I've seen, I mentioned him earlier on, but Sensor Volta um uh trying to think of other imports. Um, I'm seeing, I, I mentioned him earlier on again, Artemis Spencer as well. Mm. Um, the kind of the younger wrestlers who are there at the moment are like, as you mentioned, and I think there's a lot to say about the training schools and the way they're being trained that you've got like the kind of this kind of crop of it's like the England football team. It's like a crop of really good young, exciting players coming through overall. Um, Especially kind of like attacking. Ta- you look at someone like a Luke Jacobs. He, you know, yeah, you've mentioned him already. It's hard to think of some of the other names, Um but yeah, and I'd say Gazelle Shaw from the other day as well. Mm. I uh, yeah. She was, she was, you know, much better than than I thought she was, and, and looked a lot more sort of composed as well than I thought she'd be.
0: I've enjoyed uh, should...
1: Brady Phillips
0: the uh, few times I've seen him as well this year. I mm. mean, this I mean, there's a, it's just like put your hand in a hat and pick out a name from uh, sort of like the guys who've uh, been appearing in Brit rest this year, and there's a, yeah. a, a, a ton of names certainly that um, certainly exciting to see how they develop uh, next year, and. Um,
2: also just, uh, Ma- just before you move on, Martin, just very quickly, um, a couple of names to give you from the Irish scene now now I, I have seen them before two thousand and nineteen, so they don 't necessarily count here, but I think there 'll be names that by this time next year, people will be talking about there 's a tag team over here called club rock shandy i don 't know if you 've guys seen them yet oh, yeah, yeah yeah they 're really, really good, and at the moment they 're kind of they, they kind of get get dark matches on ott shows. By this time next year, they'll they'll be a big deal. And there's a couple of kids in, in Fight Factory um, called Big Rab and Justin Daniels. I think they're 15 and 16 or uh, maybe 16 and 17 at this stage. And, like, you talk about people being good at a young age. Like, it, it, these two guys are already the stars of the show on Fight Factory shows. And, like, give them two guys a couple of years and they're going. I, I saw Justin Daniels' first match when he – I think he was something ludicrous, like 14 or 15 – and like just a real young kevin owens vibe off this kid like so just as i said we're, we're you're talking about talking about the ireland under 21s earlier um yeah. uh, jp that this the, the young wrestlers coming through are just as good over here like and that, and for all the all the talk of a boom of irish wrestling like <laughs> there's a lot more to come as well like it's really really encouraging for the future
0: big is very um, much the Detroit troy the game of thrones as well
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. He's the draw. He's the one that's going to get the crowds in, and, and then they'll they'll they'll, they'll, they'll let big big grab and just Daniels the Angels loose and keep the crowd coming next time. <laughs>
0: and Mark also asked, um, who are the guys who have benefited the most in terms of uh, developing as a wrestler after joining NXT UK?
1: Joe Coffey's done all right for himself since <laughs> joining NXT UK. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd
2: say Jordan. We mentioned him earlier. Like, we have to like You know, we give out about NXT UK all the time, and we criticise it. It has like it, him being in that system and him being able to give up his job and, and wrestle full time and having the financial security that that contract. He has made the most of it. And like you think about Jordan Devlin pre NXT UK contract and Jordan Devlin in 2019, and it's it's a totally different. He's a totally different looking person, even like he's he's, everything about him is better and more authoritative. And would we have gotten the great matches here in Ireland that we've had featuring Jordan if he hadn't kind of gone full time as a wrestler? I don't know if they would have hit the level that they did if he didn't have that NXT contract, you know. So for all the giving out we do, we have to put the hands up and say it did him good. And the other person I would say is like we saw her kind of having a star making weekend there over in the America, like Rhea Ripley, like you shouldn't, we shouldn't forget that she started off in NXT UK yeah. and kind of came to prominence there. And look at the star she is now, you know what I mean? So those few months, that, that kind of six months she spent in the NXT UK definitely did her the world a good as well, you know? So there are success stories from it as well, you know, and we can't sit here and say every single thing they do is bad. There are some people who have definitely benefited from it for sure.
0: And um, at KSJ forty nine, that's uh, can we toss Jimmy Havoc into the Boston <laughs> Harbor like we did with your teeth?
1: Fuck yes, yes, <laughs> please, <laughs> Have please, <at> it,
0: mate. <laughs>
1: absolutely, yeah. and chuck a load of staple guns in there with him at the same time <laughs> oh, um, at
0: RBX 2000, so it's between the Hydro number for ICW and the two Blackpool sellouts, are you guys ready to admit Joe Coffey is the biggest star of the modern British era, <laughs> uh, that's a big fat no,
2: and uh, at no more, mutants. He, he is he is, <laughs> call, call, him up, call him up to the main roster so we don't have to watch him anymore take yeah. him away
1: Put, put him in a tag team with Randy Orton and like oh, I'll never watch it my eyes will never see that match the
2: wrestlers wrestlers you could call them
1: oh yeah oh god you wouldn't stay awake you'd three minutes and you'd just be nodding oh, off uh, chin luck central
2: Jesus Christ
1: Jesus. <laughs>
2: oh. and
0: at no more mutants says uh, what European matches would you include in match of the decade conversation ooh Osprey, Osprey and uh, for me, seeing it live, complete live mm-hmm. bias, but Osprey v. Skull, I think it was a uh, high yeah. stakes 2015. I mean, the yeah. atmosphere for that match was incredible. Going out after and everyone was high fiving each other and just everyone was going crazy. Yeah. It was just brilliant to see like two British guys putting on a match of that calibre. I mean, they've done a lot better since, but just remembering that match as it was then was just absolutely fantastic.
2: Yeah a good place to look would be um the podcast we did a few months ago with Alan Forel um like have a look at his his list of the best best 50 matches to happen on UK side, like and uh, pick out the ones from this decade uh, there's like i would definitely say that the high end ott stuff in the last few years will definitely be in the running like those walter jordan devlin matches the star walter match um, that we saw here in Dublin the Devil and star match we just saw like god I could see that making a top kind of 20-30 of matches of the decade for me anyway like one of the best matches I've ever seen in person um, we shouldn't kind of forget some of the great matches that happened in Germany in the last decade um, like the 16, I don't know were you there JP the 16 carat final in 2017 yeah, between Walter i wasn't and not there ne- the Dragon off
1: like, that, I wasn't there for that one but that's the one that I was thinking of yeah
2: yeah, yeah. And even I would say the triple threat the following year, like, was amazing. And there's, there's a match, like, if, if people listening want to pick out a hidden gem of a match, I would say there's a match from 2013. Um, it was like a, a very young, it was uh, Walter and, uh, Avalanche really young this is 2013 now think back like God, you're going back six years now a very young Walter and Avalanche against a very young Axel Dieter Jr. and De Mac, uh, at the Outsiders against Hot and Spicy that to me is one of the best like people often say what's the best match in european history to me that match is one like that is an amazing match like and it's a match that doesn't get talked up enough um so get get your wxw now subscription and find that match like that's amazing i guarantee if you watch that match it'll be high on your your match of the decade list um i was suppose the base and pete on match from the, the the final of the first nxt european the, the, the final of the first nxt yeah. uk tournament yeah really good um what else do I have? Walter against Thatcher last year from Progress. Um Osprey Saidal, the two out of the three falls match from 2015. Um there was the even even if you're thinking in Spain, like that that match that A-Kid had with Zack Sabre Jr. that that Melzer went five stars on probably deserves a bit of consideration. Um like Chris Hero, when he was over here the last few years. Oh, some of the that matches.
0: match against Shibata and the match he had the night before against Ishii. I mean, two Ishii? of the best matches yeah. I've
2: seen live. And even the, the Mark Andrews match in progress in 2016 as well. Like So like he has a list of matches as long as your arm over here, you know. So there's a lot of stuff there. Like, and it, it would make for a very interesting discussion, maybe a good podcast for us to do maybe at some point early in the year to kind of maybe come up with a definitive list of maybe the top 10 or 20 matches from Europe of the decade. Because like, like, when you look back at all that, we've been very lucky to live through some seriously good wrestling Like over the last decade, haven't we, really?
1: I think it's one of the things is like almost appreciate the the stuff that we have seen over the last few years yeah. as we mourn the state of British wrestling, British and European wrestling today. Yeah. but but it is that, you know, the stuff that you're mentioning, definitely that Walter Avalanche versus Hot and Spicy. I'm going to have to go out of my way to oh, see.
2: It's really yeah. good. It's amazing. I won't spoil it by giving away the details of it. Like, but it's 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 exceptional. Like, it's really good.
0: Um, RBX 2000's back and he said, uh, how, how damaging would it be to the scene if we lost uh, these contracted guys, either through pulling or the deciding that they don't need forward slash want to work smaller shows anymore? Ooh. So, sort of like, what's your, you know, the, the Brit Rest guys if they weren't to, uh, if they just were all
1: pulled and they never worked any of the shows anymore? To be honest, I kind of feel like. That's the state of British wrestling fandom that I have at the moment, because a lot of the promotions I'm going to aren't using any of the, uh, the promotions I've been to aren't using NXT UK guys. Is is that what he means? He means if we can't have like a Jordan a Jordan Devlin in OTT is well he's not he's not there at the moment. So obviously they're, they're they're clearly working that angle over there. I, I I think the the place it would affect the most is progress.
2: Mm, yeah it's it's a really difficult one and like uh, myself and Benno have kind of slowly but surely kind of come to the conclusion that it would be better for some promotions in the long term if they just said let's not book them anymore and just plan ahead you know what i mean uh, and like you were saying about 16 carat um jp in a way it must be a relief for wxw to know that that that, that those tapings are happening so they know now four months ahead of time that they can't use these guys. So they might as well just not plan with them. You know what I mean? And that's better than kind of making plans and putting those guys in matches only for them to, like to promise people certain matches and then to have to disappoint people kind of two or three weeks before when it becomes apparent that they can't wrestle. You know what I mean? So Mm. there is something to be said for the promotions being the ones to say, you know what? No, thank you. We can't deal with this uncertainty anymore. And like, Match quality definitely, definitely would suffer. Like I, I looked, I looked at my European list of matches, say above four, above four stars, and like, if you take out the contracted people, if you take out anybody in a match that that has a contract, it is very slim pickings. Like I don't think I have anything higher than maybe four and a quarter stars in Europe this year. You know, um, barring maybe like. Thatcher against Ishikawa or something like that. And and, like, you don't even count them as as British wrestling really. Like, you know what I mean? So definitely you wouldn't get the great matches anymore, but what you would get at least would be some kind of stability and an ability to kind of say, these are our plans for the next six months. We're just not going to have the superstars coming in and we're just going to have to build and just bite the bullet and build younger wrestlers up. And yes, there won't be great matches, but like wrestling isn't just great matches And, and great matches don't get people in the door they're not the only thing that get people in the door. Good storylines get people in the door as well. You know, so, you know, get the old, the book out uh, and start, start. If you can't book great matches, then book great feuds. And, and they build up characters that people care about. You know, so there's other ways around it, you know what I mean? So I, I am torn on it because, like, it, the thought of never seeing Jordan Devlin in OTT again, like, is is, is is heartbreaking, you know what I mean, in a way. But I could see the value in in them kind of just saying, you know what, let's plan with our own guys. And at least we have control over our booking. And at least we have kind of, you know, we can, we can plan. Because at the moment, you can't plan anything. And what you end up getting is what progress is, where you have... NXT UK people showing up every now and again and having a match, disappearing for a few months. You know, you end up with Ginny against Tony Storm again. You know what I mean? And, and like, is that worth us really? And then you have then you have Tony Storm getting pulled anyway. So it's like that, that whole Tony Storm situation kind of sums up British wrestling at the moment. Like they, they put on a match that nobody really wanted to see and then they couldn't deliver the match because the people that actually own these people's contracts pulled one of them anyway. You know, so it's, it's very hard to know, you know what I mean? But, you know, there is a case to be made for just deciding, you know what, let's just not bother with them anymore and at least be independent in the truest sense of the word.
0: I've just uh, remembered another match of the decade. Has got to be Zack Sabre Jr. against Will Osprey from uh, Red Pro Global Wars 2017. I think that was like, my match of the year. I remember that being oh,
1: absolutely yeah. incredible. Yeah, and those was that two, was he, that Walthamstow Martin?
0: Yeah, it was because I remember it the was. crowd was absolutely dead, and they literally dragged the crowd into this match, and it was such a fantastic match. I'm just looking at that card now, and it seems like this it's from another dimension. <laughs> We've got uh, Suzuki against Matt Riddle, uh, Bushi and Naito against Keith Lee and Yuji Nagata, TCK, Brooks Like Us, and Travis Banks against Ghetto, Goto, and Yoshihashi, Toriyano against Zach Gibson. I mean, that seems like it's something <laughs> of now, doesn't it? It's
2: <laughs> mad, isn't it? It's God, It wasn't crazy. that long ago, was it?
0: No, it's
3: 2017,
0: yeah. Wow. End of the year. I remember that Zach So Jr. match. But anyway, yeah, I digress. On to. Uh, at a poach 632 he's asked uh, if you were to pick any matches from the FWA slash Coventry Sky Dome here to recommend, what would it be? I mean, first off the top of my head, the full show of International Showdown. It's on YouTube for free. Uh, I think me, and, uh, me and Benno were there live for it. I uh, didn't know Benno at the time, but some cracks on there. You've got Punk against Joe, AJ Styles against Chris Daniels when they were having <laughs> all those great matches, and then Miss Sour in the UK, and... Uh, I mean, just as much as the FWA was a bit of a mess, I've, there's a few of their shows I quite enjoyed. They, mm. The show they did with Ring of Honor from Tears of Honor from 2003, I think. They had a good AJ
1: Styles against Johnny Storm and Loki against Flashback. Oh, was, I was that that. Oh, you were at that one. Oh, right. I, I Yeah, I was at that one. Um, And it was, it was really good fun. And it had like this kind of wild, what was it, Alex Shane, Ulf Herman, Nikita, Matching it. So you had your kind of Ring of Honor versus FWA kind of card for the night. Um and then you had that yeah, you had those three up against I can't think of the name of them now, but like kind of quite generic heel factions they would have. And Nikita did a dive from the York Hall balcony, and I think that they got in real trouble afterwards that night as well. But that's a fun card. Frontiers of Honor, yeah. Yeah, First definitely. time I like saw and, and AJ and Joe.
0: That's before we got them over here. Like every month, isn't it? That was when, like yeah. you know, US stars from Ring of Honor and stuff. It'd be very few and far between they come
1: over, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was a real novelty for that one. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd recommend that show.
0: And um, I also remember there being a good Doug Williams against Jerry Lynn match from around that time period in uh, FWA as well. Certainly around 2002-2003 they were having some uh, good matches for it. it all went to it all went a bit shit after that, didn't it? But uh, did, you, <laughs> did you get to many FWA shows on JP?
1: So, no, that was actually the only one at the time. And it was partly reading Power Slam, seeing it was there. Um, I was like, oh, I'll, I'll go along and see this. And then I was planning to go and see more and... Uh, I didn't go to front. I didn't go to um, frontiers of Honor two because that one had Brian on it, and he wasn't on the first uh, Danielson, and he wasn't on the first one. Which was, I, I he was the one I'd wanted to see because I remember hearing. You know, you'd read so much about about Brian Danielson at the time. So that's really the that's kind of like sort of encapsulated my memory of of that time of that time period because um, it was like a really really hot show um somebody had used uh what was it ring of honors undisputed it was a videotape and they'd smashed it um they'd used it in that wild brawl and it bounced into my lap so i took it home <laughs> did it still work <laughs> it did i bloody tried you know <laughs> I had to get a video recorder and everything it was a nightmare no, yeah.
0: <laughs> anything from that time period jamesy
2: no, no the, the the one I was going to recommend the kind of stands, and it's on Adam's list as well as the Styles and Daniels match from the Super Show in thousand and five. Like that's a really really good match.
0: And a uh, big friend of the show, WH Park, he's asking when would be the best time to visit to maximise seeing as much wrestling such as OTT and WHW along with good UK promotions. Plus, who's making him a roast? <laughs> UH, I'll make you. A, I'll come out of chef retirement and make you a roast anytime. I'm sure Jesse would be happy to. <laughs>
1: always you can have a southern roast down here as well <laughs> would it would it probably the be early roast. with the best time it's not that bad those pictures don't do it justice i do a decent roast, it's, it's, i i refute i refute those allegations with the best time though because ott would be having a show um at the uh, st patrick's day weekend yeah. and then you'd have carrot over the sort of the weekend before or just yeah. over a week and a bit. Yeah, so if you bookended it with those, that would probably be the best time and then he could have a really good travel around as well and there'd be some other good promotions on around that time.
2: Yeah, they, they they they're running they're running consecutive weekends like and I I would imagine you will see a lot of talent being shared between Carrot and Scrappermania this year as well just purely yeah. because of you know in the current climate if you can save a bit on flights or share flights you're definitely going to do it you know and like I I would imagine there'll be something like at the Tuesday night grabs people will be looking at maybe the Tuesday Wednesday night of that week as well considering who you know all the people that will be around and that kind of thing as well so yeah if you were coming if you're at a WH Park flying over that's your week you know. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll show them a good Paddy's weekend in, in Dublin after it then as well Oh God, yeah.
0: and I'm sure if you came for like a fortnight I'm sure like the weekends after you'd probably be able to catch a few sort of like Brit rest shows as well if you do yeah, in exactly. the UK so yeah definitely around come on
2: over WH we, we look after you exactly
0: <laughs> and um, at Global Force Gold great Twitter handle <laughs> and, uh, b- before the Brit rest boom and its subsequent collapse what was your favourite Brit rest show
2: Oh probably that that super show that you mentioned Martin with the the Styles and Daniels and the Joe the, Punk that on had it. only <laughs> any
0: British wrestlers on it <laughs> <laughs>
2: If that counts, or or, or maybe they are, like, I don't know, does does an ROH show in the UK count? Because if it does, then any of those shows were incredible. Like, in fairness, they're they're some of the best shows I've ever seen in my life. Like, so, yeah, but, I mean, God, if you're asking me to pick out individual shows from the pre Rest boom area, I'm coming up fairly short, to be honest.
0: Yeah, there were a few that I think he means just... Uh, oh, before the Brit Rest Room, yeah, it's got to be that international showdown one for me. I think, yeah, mm. yeah, but definitely live. I think, yeah.
1: the The one that sticks out it's going to sound like a really silly memory, but the first Fight Club Pro show I went to, hear me out here, and it was in the um, the old space of the uh, of the fiction, um, which was sort of in a upstairs next to a car park. And me and Joe stood on a ladder watching. <laughs> Will, Will Ospreay and Mark Haskins versus Tyler Bate and Trent Seven with one yeah. camera hanging off like – um oh, that wasn't the only thing on the card. They had Pete Dunn uh Travis Banks that night where Banks had won the title. They had this storyline when they did storylines that it was easy to understand for the first time you're going. And they had one – the hard cam was just a very small camcorder attached onto a pipe. <laughs> and it was there, and we were still on these ladders in the background, just going. This is absolutely wild. About 150 people there, um, and you just now—you just think of the card and who was on it, and you just think that's absolutely insane. Watching in a car park in Wolves. When are we Whoa. talking
0: the Ritworth Boom? Here are we talking post 2015, uh... then.
1: Yeah, you'd probably go to you'd go twenty fifteen, wouldn't you?
0: Yeah, because I saw a uh, Southside show the first time they ran in Sheffield at uh, the Lyceum Library Theatre, which is like a community theatre. I think it holds about one hundred and fifty to two hundred people. And uh, yeah, on that, it was, I think it was the first time Osprey and Zach Saber Junior faced off. You had Kel, uh, Kayla Ray and Elagiro against uh, Candice and Joey, um, Rampage against Mark Haskins. and just to be in such a sort of like intimate. You know, weird sort of venue. I thought that was a cracking show. And yeah, and I think um, sort of like Devitt's final tour of, the, of Europe before he went off to WWE, oh, yeah. and Haskins had a good match. And on that same show, he had Kaylee Ray and Martin Kirby. I think that was in Nottingham in uh, July 2014. So yeah, there was, that, that was sort of like when Brit West was coming back good, wasn't it? So I suppose if you classify the boom as a uh, post 2015 into 2017, then yeah. Let me count those shows.
2: If you if you extend it over to Ireland, like I I saw some mad stuff over here. Say in 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 the period between kind of two thousand and five and two thousand and ten, like we we had Irish whip wrestling over here. You might remember it from the wrestling channel. Oh yes. We had we had pre WWE Sheamus, we had Stu Sanders, we had Drew Galloway before he was ever in WWE. We had and we had all kinds of mad like we had the likes of we had Goshi Shiazaki came over and did a tour of Ireland. We had we had we had Taiji Ishi, Taiji they came over from Noah Taiji Ishimori and Goshi Shiazaki came and did a tour. We had. Was down this in when Waterfront. they were over
0: doing the Noah stuff in the UK? <laughs> so two thousand and eight. <laughs>
2: it would have been yeah because i saw them in in like a gaa hall in balbriggan which is north county dublin and like there was nothing but me and a load of kids here watching go Shiazaki. like it was mad <laughs> crazy who else did we? we had shima down in waterford in the in the um the forum in waterford jp in waterford city we had shima yeah. and- we had Raven down at Waterford another time. We yeah, had
0: during us. the 1PW days, weren't it? Because I can remember uh, when 1PW <laughs> were in Doncaster. Yeah. Raven yeah, and stuff. Like that, they were for, yeah. uh, for to Ireland after, weren't they?
1: Raven, <laughs> Raven in Ireland is a documentary that I never know I needed, but I do Raven now.
2: Oh, we're Raven in Waterford. Raven
1: on, on a night yeah. out in Waterford. Can you imagine? What else
2: It'd did we be have? Awesome. We had Vampiro against Seamus, I saw in in in, 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 a, in, a, in a venue that's now long gone, oh God, crazy stuff like that yeah.
0: <laughs> that must have been when uh one p w did sandman against Raven in like you know a typical e c w thing and I was you know after a couple of beers, I thought that was the greatest thing. I've ever seen sandman do his entrance and then Raven and everything <laughs> They literally did nothing other than sort of like it kendo six well the crowd was well into it, yeah, that must have been around that time uh, so yeah certainly uh interesting time around those because i can't really remember any sort of shows sort of like i mean some of the fwa ones mm. were good but i wouldn't say like you know favorites of mine or anything but um yeah certainly some good times uh, um, uh ian hamilton asks which imports from 2019 do you want to see back over here in uh 2020 i suppose jp answered a few of those Is there anything yeah. that you wanted to add jamesy
2: um, I definitely want to see Daniel McCabe back over here I want to get him over to OTT if possible um, Eddie Kingston I'd like to see Eddie Kingston over here again I think he's a guy that's uh, fully independent has a lot to offer and Quackenbush my Quackenbush is is a guy that w- we kind of all hoped like he's in Fight Club Pro this weekend we kind of hoped that he'd maybe a late, he'd be a late announcement for the OTT show on Saturday but um, I think Joker Bray sold all the seats already so he had no need to be adding an extra expense to his fly-ins so like I, he's a guy I'd love to see come over to OTT at some point next year and just to see him live once. He's one guy he's kind of the last big name of the the old indie era in the US that I haven't seen live so I'd really love to see him at some point
0: Yeah, certainly McCabe. I think he made a really good impression sort of like the couple of dates that he did so certainly an extended tour from him, it'd be fantastic And, and Lucha at Lucha Undead says, will the trend of wrestlers asking for the release ever spread to NXT UK talent, do you feel? We kind of talked know, about a bit about Walter, maybe you know, just being in it for the money.
1: I don't think anyone will be asking for a, release, for a release. If there's one thing they might well have learned is you just keep absolutely stum until the contract <laughs> is over with, and you just almost say nothing. So, whether or not they ask for it, but it's difficult to know how long the contracts are. That's yeah. the other thing in this. Are they and is there rollovers as well? Because I always got the impression they were like two-year deals with an option to roll into a third, we almost sealed seems like they would just take up those options. So, um, I'd hope some of the younger, some of the younger talent, maybe if they go, well, they're not really going anywhere and they need to have that run. Some of the older talent completely understand that, you know, they might, you know, they would have been feeling, you know, it's their time to kind of earn themselves a good income and set themselves up for the future as well. But hopefully some of the younger talent wouldn't, um, would maybe try and find a way of, of of getting out. One thing I'd love to see, uh, Jordan Devlin in New Japan doing a junior oh, run. Yeah. Yeah. These are the things we missed out on, unfortunately, aren't there? That's aren't it. They? Yeah. Yeah. It's very much that sliding doors effect, isn't it? If, if yeah. We, you know we didn't have that, where would where would some of the Tyler Bate having yeah, that new just Japan about the same time run? About that, yeah. Yeah,
2: exactly. Walter doing a big, big tour of Japan. Like we got a small taste yeah. of Walter in Japan there a couple of weeks ago, like him doing a champion carnival or something like that, like against all those yeah. big lads in all Japan, like it'd be incredible. You know what I mean? And even like the, the follow up question there that Tim asks about, um who'd be most likely to ask for their release? Um And like I was trying to think of who are the people who who must be the most unhappy at the moment with how they've been booked like uh, like I can't imagine Travis Banks is very happy at the moment. You know what I mean? Like he he, he was genuinely a big deal in 2017. Like, he, you know, he was the progress champion. You know, he was he was one of the proper top guys on the UK indies. And like he, he barely gets a look in now. You know what I mean? Like he, he was bumped off that first takeover for Finn Balor, and, and then he kind of he, he wrestled. What did he have? He did he have that hardcore match against who did he wrestle on the on the next one? Do like? Exactly, I can't. James, I
1: think you trying try to remember.
0: remember what matches he's had. Yeah, in shows his completely nondescript.
2: That's you it. know. I, A a guy who's completely lost his buzz, like, and again, imagine him in the New Japan Junior division, like, you know what I mean? Uh, The ideal guy who kicks hard and strikes hard and that kind of thing. And even the other guy I thought of, an Axel Dieter Jr., like, like when he signed for WWE, again, it wasn't NXT UK. That wasn't the thing at the time. He signed in the genuine belief that he was going to America and he was going to America to become a star. And now he's been relegated to NXT UK. And like, what is he? He's, He's Walter's lackey. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's, he's like, he's the, he's the second or third guy in a faction. He gets the odd tag match here and there. I, I can't remember him ever having a singles match in NXT UK. So again, you think a guy who, who, who like, if he was back on the Indies, God, like he, he'd straight away be the top guy in, in WXW, you know, like he wouldn't be short on work. You know what I mean? So I, I'm not saying that these guys are unhappy, but I'm saying if I was those guys, I'd be unhappy, you know.
0: Yeah, it's weird with Dita Jr, isn't it? Cuz obviously WWE love their second generation stars, don't they? And then obviously JBL yeah. is constantly going on about his time in Germany and he must have sort of like been around his dad a bit. And it's so weird that he's never sort of like, you know, he did nothing, didn't he for like ages? Ah, and that was just such the a twist him becoming like really good in progress and and things mm. like that, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, and like at, at the time when he just left, it was I think it was 2016. He had just found his stride in WXW as well. Like they made him the champion, he was cutting these incredible promos. Like he, he, he. At that point, he was a bigger star in WXW than even Walter was. Like he really felt like somebody you had to watch and that kind of thing. And like he's again, he's been there for over three years now. What could you even point at as a memorable match? Or you know, a couple of decent tag matches here and there, but. Nothing like no 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 big singles match, no nothing. You know what I mean? And it's it's like it, it, that has to be on some level, you know, whatever about getting paid and whatever about fulfilling your dream of being a full time wrestler, there has to be a part of you that thinks, God, like I miss just having good matches. Like, like look, look at look at Only Larkin or Biff Busick, his actual name, Biff Busick. I am fully I'm fully convinced that him going to Tag Festival and getting in there with the likes of Tim Thatcher and getting to have actual hard-hitting, independent matches, like, that has stirred something inside of him, and he's like, that guy is actively trying to get himself fired at the moment, like, he wants out, you know what I mean? And it was just, it it must have been that taste of just wrestling again, and wrestling in front of a hot crowd, and having, you know, you talk about artistic fulfillment, like, actually having matches you can be proud of, you know what I mean? And that, that that trip to germany definitely did something to that guy because since he came back he's been basically doing like he's posing with david Starr now in independent t-shirts and that kind of thing like so that's that's the whole thing like about there the, the, yes ha- having money is important and having a steady income and getting to train every day but there's also the, the the actual pride in your work and the ability to have great matches like and you lose that when you go
1: there because you don't get the chance to do that for the most part and also, and you mentioned this earlier on, a lot, of, a lot of people sign contracts far too early, whereas if they've been able to stay out there a bit more and build their names. Mm. They would have been worth more for themselves and would have been able to get a much kind of fairer price and a better deal. And I okay. think that's one that's of right. the things that some of them need to do that. If they can get their releases, go and, and have that run, there is opportunities out there, whether it be obviously throughout Europe and, and Brit is absolutely crying out for, for, for some, of the, some of this talent to return back. But also in the US, I mean, I look at AEW and you think of of people there who could fit in because they could do with more of a European profile, frankly, in terms of certainly on the male side of things. And, you know, yeah.
0: What about Jimmy Uh... Avoc?
1: Oh, crap. Excalibur I, and sort him now, don't worry. Well, Excalibur's doing a lot of panto, isn't he? Over.
2: He'll be on the Christmas special on, on, on EastEnders and Boxing Day, won't he?
1: I was going to say, he's got a busy one then, and he's got probably a taping to get back to <laughs> uh, for later like, yeah. on in that week. <laughs> yeah, busy yeah. man.
0: So, last couple of questions before we get out of here. Uh, Dylan Sharr has asked, um, who will be the champion of progress on Red Pro this time next year? It's, um a hard one i think well i, I certainly won't be any Dennis in progress, i don't
1: think no um mm. rev pro progress it's pretty really hard to say because it's just the kind yeah. of state of life who was, could yeah. they who could they rely on to perhaps be there
2: um i would say i'd say rev pro will almost certainly be a new japan wrestler because literally the last <laughs> yeah. Six champions have been new japan haven't they like so i could easily see it being zach because he's he's new japan but also he's 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 british and he's you know he's just a safe pair of hands for them like where they would get access to him and that kind of thing or the other one sanada maybe (laughs) i I could honestly see sanada being the champion next year at some point which would be incredibly depressing but you can see it happening like because
1: he is over if nothing else well, he's over for the 15th show at the Uprising. My yeah. fear is he has a match against Zach, and then they have a rematch at the Dome in one of these kind of pointless Rev Pro title exchanges, like the one with Tanahashi, ultimately, yeah. which, you know, except it would be worse because it would be Sonada and not Tanahashi. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. So I I would say, okay, so for Rev Pro, I'm going to say Will Ospreay potentially yeah, I was doing just some old, that Ooh, for Rev Pro Rev well. Pro He's saying that he's going Dome. to be
0: over here more as well, isn't he? Mm.
1: And then you can have that match with Zach as well at some point over the year, which is something that they, they've never yeah. had. And um, it feels fresh again now, doesn't it? Because it hasn't happened for so long. Like, yeah. Exactly. And the pair of them being booked the way they should do, feeling that their careers yeah. have evolved is something yeah. we've been, you know, a central theme of the show tonight. Um, progress. Oh. Impossible. It's impossible it to
2: say. It is. <laughs> Probably an NXT UK guy, because again, the last few champions have been NXT UK. I'm just going to throw out Jordan Devlin maybe someone like yeah. that. They're, they're, they seem to be high enough on him. Um, he's NXT UK. For some reason, they really want to have their champion as NXT UK guys. So why not Jordan Devlin?
1: Paul Robinson. They've been wanting to do it <laughs> for ages. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh,
0: last question, uh, at Sarah 4 asks, uh, nothing to do with wrestling, just ask what's <laughs> the best breakfast. And uh, Sarah, <laughs> it depends depends on the day of the week. I mean, uh, Saturday yeah. morning, bit of over, Got to be a fry up with everything, black pudding and that. Maybe you're in a rush on a Monday. You know, can't beat a bit of crunchy nut cornflakes. Sunday got a bit more time. <laughs> Spanish omelette, maybe Ooh. stack of pancakes. Everything breakfast, best meal of the week by far.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you now, guys. You're talking about fry ups. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's there's fry up and then there's an Irish, a proper Irish fry-up. Like none of these Weather spoon things that you fed to poor like I I I still disgusted about what you did to poor Mako Satamora that time. <laughs> feeding her that absolute rubbish. The poor woman, like God above a good Irish fry up like and like you need to have the proper produce as well. Like so you need to go down to Waterford to get your sausages. There's a place in Waterford called Malai's Butchers. So you go down there and get your sausages. You get your Tlonicil tea black and white pudding. Proper from West Cork, best <laughs> black and white pudding you'll ever get. Oh, and you get your rashers. You need, do you know, the nicest rashers are those, um, the Canadian maple cured ones. You know, those ones that are not too salty, oh, yeah. a little bit of sweetness to them. You not find
0: they're too thin, though, James. You can't be a bit
2: of back bacon, you know, full fat uh, bacon, no. no. <laughs> you don't want that thin shit,
0: American. Ah, uh,
2: uh, but I don't, I, You don't want them too. It, it's, it's not that really skinny American stuff now. It's the proper it's proper sliced like ra, sliced rasher like. But um, you can't have it too salty. I think a salty rasher kills the whole thing because you're just too thirsty afterwards. And then you need your if you're going to fry your eggs, you need to get them perfect. Like you want them to be runny, but you don't want the whole thing going all over the plate either. Mm. You know what I mean? Like just yeah. a bit of moisture on the place. And then your beans, you have to have Irish beans. None of these Heinz beans or anything like that. You need bachelor's beans from here in Dublin. Good proper <laughs> beans. And then on the side, JP from Waterford, a nice flowery blah on the side. Yeah. And I tell you, that's the breakfast of Kings and a good hot cup of tea sorted.
1: Blah is awesome. I had one last time I was over there it Was well. Yeah. In, in the <laughs> center of Waterford, I was like, yeah, this stuff is just awesome. Ex-
2: explain to the Brits what a blah is, because they won't have a, they won't have a clue. Well, film. it's
1: like a kind of a, a big kind of flowery bap, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and it's but it's 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 like got real kind of substance to it. So I had like a big sort of blah roll from um uh, a a place in the centre of, of Watford. It was yeah, oh, lovely, glorious stuff. I was also Sarah making a the reference there to blahs the other day. I think with, no, Alan, Alan was saying something was around. That, from his sickbed. <laughs> it's
2: actually, just
0: a bread cake then, basically.
2: It is, but they're, they're, they're completely unique to Waterford. And yes. they're only This specific type is only made. Waterford is the city I'm from uh, and that JP's family is from. And they're only uniquely made of Waterford. and It's a recipe that dates back centuries. And the point of them is you have to buy them on the day the they're, 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 the way that they're made or whatever's in them they're literally gone off by the evening time so you have to buy them that yeah. day and eat them or they're, they're, you can't buy them for the week like or anything like that um, but if you get them fresh like they're just absolute magic you can't go wrong yeah
1: proper glorious uh, any, other, any
0: other breakfast items you want to throw in JP before we get out of it
1: um I do like a fry up. I'm I'm partial to if I can get round to it. I like doing a breakfast smoothie sometimes. So I'm generally on the go. Yeah. So so like sometimes I like doing that. But that's something if I'm on the go and I'm like having to have it almost like on the bus. That sounds kind of now, really worrying. These fucking that. green things, is it? No, God, yeah. no. It tends <laughs> to be like no. It's like strawberries, banana. Um, tend to have. I tend to put in some almond milk. Um, chop up an apple.
0: Now you've lost a fucking almond milk. No, sorry.
1: (laughs) You can put normal milk in. You put normal milk, but I tend to put in almond milk for it. Um, I'm not vegan or anything. You know, it's all right. Safe on that front. Cinnamon, almonds, uh, yeah, put all of that into a a big sort of smoothie. Sets you up well and truly until lunchtime. Other than that, like the the boys like doing, we like having pancakes on weekends. Yeah, Yeah. pancakes. My my kids go mad
2: for pancakes, Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: And I've had I've had a potato waffle with an egg on it before, not 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 oh, like yeah. a homemade one, yeah. A crap Frozen one that you can just put in the oven, yeah. Potato waffle yeah. with an egg on top. But anyway, I'm sure, I'm sure we've <laughs> exhausted every breakfast option out there. But, um, <laughs> so before we head out of it, I just want to obviously we had a few questions from them. But Mark Buckeldy wrote a cracking article on the oh, yeah. last yeah. Texagen yeah. Show that's on the main post site now. Well worth checking out. It's a I, know he, I think he used to write some stuff uh, before, but his first article that he's written that's been on on the post site, so definitely check that out. I mean, Benno was there as well. It uh, sounded like a cracking evening of wrestling. And uh, Jamesy, any plugs? Uh,
2: no plugs, but just before we finish up again, just want to uh, send some well wishes out. to We mentioned him there to Alan Forel. Yes. Um, yeah. Ah, The poor guy has had a terrible run of, of bad luck with his health in the last while and, um, Glad to hear I, I've been in touch with him the last few days and he's he's happily he's he's recovering well and he's in good spirits and like Jesus, just the the good humor and positivity which we, with which that guy has has faced. All these health problems over the last few months and years, like, is unreal. Like, he's a real example to all of us. You know what I mean? So, just to let him know, we're we're all thinking of him and all rooting for him, and can't wait to have him back up and running and giving us all his is putting his podcast out and giving us all his recommendations. He's he's sorely missed on the Twitter timeline and in the general community. So, yeah, best wishes to him and to Sarah as well, who's kind of gone through the whole thing with him. And yeah, so yeah, just to wish them very well.
0: Yeah, definitely, yeah. completely second that. Obviously, all the best. Yep. To, uh, to well. and- yeah, third that as well. Yeah. And uh, and JP, any any plugs uh, before we get
1: out of here? <laughs> um, you can listen to what started off as a wrestling podcast, but somehow <laughs> become possibly one of the most vehement anti-Tory podcasts that you're going <laughs> to hear around in, in Grapple Spotlight, which normally is out on Mondays. We've had a show out on there. Um, we had loads to talk about. We still managed, and we were all completely ignore, exhausted from the weekend and completely shattered. And yet, somehow, we managed to wind ourselves up to ramble on for two <laughs> odd hours. Um, whilst also Joe went through uh, a lot of the sort of mainstays of EastEnders and where they would have voted in the 2016 <laughs> referendum, um, and through that, and at points kicking off on uh, on Tories. And the other thing I'd like to promote is um, if you can find it, a, a, an appearance of Will Cooling on, the, on Question Time. Uh, <laughs> with oh, yeah. Asking David Cameron a question on drugs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Ollie's,
2: Ollie's tweet as well. Um, yes. my, my predecessor on this show, check Ollie Court's timeline and look at his tweet about the one-year anniversary of Pete Dunne assuring yes. us all that Britt Ress wasn't dead. Absolutely tremendous stuff. Hilarious.
1: Yep, brilliant. Um, Yep, uh, send that through. Yeah, definitely uh, get round to listening on that and, and following him also, uh, another Ollie as well. Um, It's Ollie's world, isn't it? Yeah.
0: Yeah, that was fantastic. Obviously, we put a lot of work into that. And obviously, uh, we're, we, <laughs> um, obviously, people are remembering from this show. But yeah, fantastic. Certainly go and check that out. And uh, yeah, obviously, we'll be back on the 13th of December with uh, all the latest from British and European wrestling. Thanks for listening, and we'll uh, catch you then.